and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Beto. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And happy freedom there, everyone. Everything's normal now. Things are good. Hello. <laughs> COVID, what COVID? It's over. <laughs> oh. Absolutely over. We were just talking no about a shit show. Just talking in the pre-show there about like uh, I've just I just went out for a walk and it is still like blistering hot, like nearly thirty degrees in Liverpool. Stopped at the uh, the big Tesco on the way back. Yeah, <laughs> people have given up. <laughs> There's no, I thought like one mask the entire time I was in there. We don't have to wear them anymore, do you? I know in like in Liverpool as well, we got like weird rules now where there's um, you got apparently if you get the ferry, Gareth, um, over if you fancy going over to Birkenhead, you know, at some point you can uh, you've got to wear yeah. a mask. But if you get the bus or the train, you don't. Like I don't really know what's going on. Um, <laughs> You can go to a nightclub though, but if you go to a nightclub at the end of the month, apparently you need the vaccine pass. But I don't know what's yeah, going on. September, yeah. Well, I've heard raving lads before the COVID police come in. Oh, they were raving at midnight last the, night. Is that the Jerry Marsden strain? Where if you um, if, if you get the ferry, there's a there's every chance that. You could get it, catch it, so you've got, you've got to wear a mask, but you're all right on the bus. Yeah, you sound. It'll be okay. Oh, oh no. yeah, like like uh, Chris said in the chat there, it's Freedom Day, but literally there were, there were anti-lockdown protests today. What the fuck's on from with our country? Like, lads, it's, I don't know. you got what you wanted. Like, you know. I, I think I think the Venn diagram between them and people kicking off on the Sunday of the Euro, Euro final was... With- would be uh, just very much one circle lying on top of another one, really, wouldn't it, at this point? Um, it's ridiculous. Mm. They just want to ruck. That's mm. it. It's just like they're over now, and it's just like, right, we've got some fighting to make up for. Mm. So let's just, let's have a scrap with the police. Yeah, <laughs> absolute fucking nonsense. Yeah, again. And, and I'm sad about the mask thing, because I kind of think, you know, somebody uses public transport, like, I think there's a... And the Delta variant is still there, you know, you know, and I understand the need for kind of reopening, but that's like your common sense measure. Mm. I also like the fact that when you wore the mask, and I said this in the pre-show, if you wanted to hide from people, totally. like it was brilliant. It was mm. like all of a sudden you had your fucking excuse. It was like, oh, I, I know them. They're from like, you know, maybe live on the next row, but I don't really want to have to talk to them. You wear that mask, plausible deniability. even if you do recognize them you can easily pretend that you don't and and nobody's you know any the wiser so i don't know you're working me here i can't imagine you not want to talk to people like come on i've seen you at wrestling shows sometimes (laughs) no sometimes (laughs) sometimes i'll just like you know and it'll 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 be you know and it could even be like kind of like ex-students and stuff like this i'm like that's true you gave mm. me a lot. Of, you gave me a lot of fucking grief. No way am I making conversation with you. So, yeah, <laughs> should have just done what I've done. Should have just done what I've done, JP, for the twenty years I've lived in Liverpool and just talked to absolutely nobody outside my house. Otherwise, <laughs> it's, unless it's Mario, like paying at a till or something like that, and then you so you solace. You don't you know go to these like you know kids parties and things like that and just take your headphones and stand in the corner and talk to none of the other parents and just listen to wrestling podcasts in the corner. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's served me well for all these years. Now, you know, I'm always the, the solitary person stood at the side with no one ever bothering me. I'm like, there you go. Delight in that fact. To make it more and more sense. Make a more and more sense how me and you lived like a stone's throw from each other for like a decade and never met. <laughs> Probably the two most hardcore wrestling fans oh, in that man, half a mile radius, you know? <laughs> oh, well. I, I, often, I, I often wonder about this. Like if you'd walked in the Berkey in some wrestling t-shirt, whether I would have actually 
like walked out of the pub or actually <laughs> like, a conversation with you. It may well have been the former. Depends on which shirt. If it's Enzo Amore, then you're True. leaving and you're not mm. making eye contact or anything else. But I don't know, That's at that point in time, Ben, I might have been wearing a Bullet Club shirt. In. Well, I'd, have and, I'd, I'd have walked over and two-sweeted him over a pint of Carling. <laughs> I wouldn't have been drinking Carling, wouldn't have been wearing a Bullet Club. I've seen a lot of Bullet Club t-shirts in Liverpool. Oh, it is, it's surprisingly, like, you know, it's still a thing like, for some people. I don't really I don't really understand it. Yeah, you're more likely to see me like a, I'm wearing my Ring Cam t-shirt right now. You know, I went to a, that UFC, I went to the Darren Till one at the Echo Arena. Some lad stopped me to chat to me about my Ring Cam t-shirts. Don't know if it was a listener or what, but, you know. I thought I was relatively impressed with the Liverpool area new ring camp was at that point. Big progress NXT UK fan, I think he was, but, you know, what are you going to do? It's the home territory, really, isn't it? As we were talking about the Olympia in the pre-show. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's very much the spiritual base of NXT UK. <laughs> with you as spiritual leader. That's true. <laughs> oh, as Simon said in the chat, I, I did spend a lot of time wandering around in my ROH tracksuit. If someone had stopped me in that one day, I'd have been their best friend. Um, if I were wearing like a CM Punk shirt and you uh, either stopped me, Gareth, we could have been best friends back then. It's a shame. Missed opportunities, eh? <laughs> you didn't get it. You didn't get a chance to wander around this weekend, Benno, did you? Was... Fucking no, <laughs> no. Uh, I was going to ask you lads how your weekend went, but I don't remember my weekend. Uh, no, we had a I had a great time. Did uh, did Martin's uh, charity stream uh, twelve till twelve on uh, on Saturday? Thanks to uh, everybody who tuned in and uh, and donated as well, like uh, cruising towards uh, fifteen hundred pound at this point, uh, which you know the target was one thousand pounds. So. Almost 150% over over the target, um, which is absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, Martin put together an incredible lineup, and it was despite as uh, as we talked about it being on the, the one of the hottest days of the year. And, you know, and I'm sat in here in my, in my podcast room for 12 hours straight while uh, while Gareth and Sarah are pelting me with uh, with photos of them uh, in the back garden there uh, with their little pool out. Yeah, what a great yeah, talking, yeah. Sarah, that Gareth. <laughs> he was party to it though. Um, <laughs> going the beach and stuff, you know, having a lovely day. I was uh, trapped inside, but that no, was uh, it was good. I don't remember all of it to be honest because it was uh, it's it's become a bit of a blur at this point after a 12 hours non-stop uh, podcast well, I suppose with a, with a couple of breaks in the middle but yeah it was uh, <laughs> it was an experience to say the least I personally thought it was great I listened to quite l- l- large chunks of it throughout the day sorry I, when I was out and about obviously <laughs> and it was like a perfect it was just like a kind of it's just like listening to a radio station basically mm. with lots of various different guests coming in and they were great like listening to uh, um, Scrump talk about PWTs. Yeah, that was a fun chat. Wayne James Ting, John Pollock talking about like sort of setting up post wrestling. Will talking MMA. Mm. Sober Will, who was like on on great form. Oh yeah, um, the rule was as well because Martin was like, oh, even the charity- synth music. Well. Yeah. Martin was like, the charity will only listen for the first couple of hours, so we'll keep it clean. And then as we get later on, it'll go dirty. I think within the first half of our ads for like three different times. Um, so I felt pretty bad about that. But then we got, you know, some of the other lads uh, who came on later were, were just as bad. Ah, the charity a bit worse. It's all right. So Will wasn't the worst behaved, actually, in the end. Well, do the charity want the money or not? <laughs> they don't get to govern the content of people's minds. Well, Martin okay. did get a new pair of headphones, like- so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's how we pay for them, but, you know... <laughs> 
Oh, that's, he didn't. Can we, can we start that? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Lisa Bart. I don't want to believe that he did, which would be hilarious. But no, no, he didn't. He the money's all going to the charity. Sorry. Yes. Yes, it is. Absolutely. It was just resting in my account. Sorry. Just I, I, I just love the way that he had to sit there wearing his headphones for 12 hours for Lisa to notice. Yeah, actually, I'll get him a new pair of headphones. It was worth the 12 hours just for that. But yeah, fucking hell, what a, uh, what a stint you've put in. It was, uh, like, I think like I said on, on the show on the night, to me, like when I think of everything that I packed into that Saturday that I did from first thing in the morning to, you know, last thing at night when I came on that show, all the different uh, different stuff I did knew it felt like I'd lived about four days or five days that day just doing loads of just general enjoyable shit and at mm. every point during the day you, you were there in my ears at different points still sat there still recording like what an effort and like I, like oh, I was brilliant it was it, the you know JP's listed stuff there you know I thought the two Sarahs were absolutely fantastic oh, yeah. it was great hearing those two uh, back to you know back together that was that that was uh, absolutely spot on from that point interview but yeah i think the big big thing for me was just listening along and following it and then just seeing the target just get beat so early like mm. in the day so and then just like build and go go beyond the target and just like yeah god martin what a yeah uh, i know obviously massive credit to you benno for being with him for the for the full journey but yeah bloody hell well done martin for oh, yeah, putting that all together and you know just getting all that organized and delivering the whole thing like what a what an effort martin and to, to raise that kind of money as well like you know massive kudos to him Definitely, yeah. You know, the Children's Artergy Fund will be very close to, to Martin's heart, which is, you know, why he came up with the uh, the idea for uh, for doing it um, and, and say, organising all the guests and stuff. I was just there to uh, to run interference and let him run off the toilet every now and then have a, have a bit, of, bit, bit of some cold steak that, uh, that Lisa had made for him that was lying around. I, uh, he gave me the opportunity to nick off and have my mackies and uh, stretch my legs a bit as well. So definitely easier with, uh, with two of us there in the room. I think there was a point where he was just sort of sat in the dark doing it because he he just kind of couldn't really like get up it, it, in terms of getting up and just switching the lights on and stuff i mean it was just <laughs> like an amazing effort and just even by the end you mm. did both sound like i thought these lads can go another four or five here 24 next time they can do here 24 well, can be done can't it i yeah, think so you've done the p- podcast in broadway now haven't you now you're reaching what was the cm punk two hour match was it a one hour 43 with uh with hero 43 minutes yeah, or like testing. So you're going for next time. That was the thing. Like our OH were doing, like did the Punk Joe hour things, and then Austin Aries and Daniel Bryan were like, "Ah, oh, we can go longer than that. We're gonna go like do a two hour match, ninety minutes." And they were like, "Fuck this, lads. Let's just go home." Like <laughs> I think that'd probably happen with a twenty four hour podcast. Like, ah, you know what? Charity's got enough money. I want to go to bed. <laughs> like, yeah, Carl's Carl's mentioned there twenty four hour grappy hour. Maybe that could be done. Uh, to be fair, like our grappy hours and general spotlight. You know, we do the pre show now for the uh, for the live patrons. We have a little bit of a post show as well. They go about four or five hours anyway, so you know it's it's half of the way there. My my favourite was just getting that message off of you, and it was like my ass is killing, and it's only three seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> I do need a new chair. That is true. You hear a weird creaking noise on these podcasts at the minute. It is my uh, my damaged chair. I am getting a new one. It's on its way. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, there was definitely points where I was moving around, changing chairs, having a little little lie down when uh, when Martin was carrying things, and a couple of the interviews had to be done to survive the uh, the marathon. Yeah. But it's like that time David Blaine was up in the box and he was starving and people were calling him a prick. 
from down below. Do you remember that a few years ago? I mean, he endured and you did as well. Um, there you go. Obviously with no abuse. Um, but no, it's an absolutely phenomenal effort. Hopefully for those people who are able to go back and listen to bits of it, it's just really great audio. Um, I, Thank I you. say that above above all else. It's like, well, it's, we are going to try and do really something good. with the audio. You know, we've got like, unfortunately we went over 12 hours, which is typical. <laughs> you know, 12 hours wasn't enough because uh, basically because it was, uh, we had you guys on at the end and we did like a, a grapple <laughs> bit in the last hour of the, the worst uh, shows we've ever been to and it got to midnight and we still ran over. So uh, the replay unfortunately cuts off at that, uh, that 12, yeah, 12 a.m. point, which is fair enough. You know, 12 hours is probably enough. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to get our hands on it, on some of the replay audio. I had a good chat earlier as well with Martin about uh, my uh, quote-unquote wrestling career, um, which if you listen to that was not much of a career, but, you know, that fun stories. Nice. <laughs> you get that. It, it was hard. To, it's hard, though. It's hard because I can't tell those stories without, like, I have to leave some names out to be honest like it's uh you know yeah. such as brit res but no some happy and uh and sad days from the from those times no that was a great listen like hearing again your backstory on all that and it was it was like quite a nice start of the day because it was like getting your little old wrestling stories and you obviously you training and getting in getting into the wrestling that you did and it was just good to just get a bit more depth on the the backstory behind all that and then you had will cool in obviously just giving a bit more of his backstories on the uh, mm. mma journalism side of things as well and how he sort of you know <laughs> got into all that and mm. obviously also you know some of the stories he's telling about doing stuff for fox and things and I loved him having to sign a contract that said that he wouldn't consume alcohol at an event. That was just the funniest moment of the day for me. That got breached. Yeah, the, idea of, the idea of Will ticking a box that I'm not going to drink alcohol and putting his name on it just to get into an event for free. I loved that. Oh. <laughs> great stuff. But that oh, was it. It was just some great. And obviously, I mentioned like the two stories, and, uh, sorry, the two Sarahs and their like, stories about like, you know, putting, putting together the bowling and stuff. And just even again, just hearing a bit of the background about them getting to know each other and things. So it was just. I think there was just that that side of things as well that you just got a bit more. I don't know, it was a bit more kind of like just general chat stuff as well. You know, mm. whereas obviously you, you do podcast stuff and it's a lot of review, or it's a lot of like discussion things. It was just nice to just hear a lot of people that you're quite familiar with mm. and just hearing a bit more like backstories and just hearing about their lives and totally. things like that. I thought that was that was that was definitely like one of the, the highlights for the for the day for me, and that kind of just ran through the the whole day, really, didn't it? Oh yeah, it did, it did, and you know we had a great chat. You know Nate Milton later on in the day, you know telling us about you know he's getting into podcast stuff. What a, we needed him that man at that point. He came on at about nine o'clock and just like the energy levels rose, but like tenfold. You know he's he's that kind of guy. But you know even just yeah, get yeah, brother Nate, he's the man. He is the man. Tier Nate. Um, but yeah, you know, and obviously, you know, Way and John were in at points in the day as well, which were uh, which were great chats too. Um, felt bad for poor John Lister comes on as the Brit Res historian, and Martin shoots him a joke about, "Oh, do you ever see Beno wrestle?" And he's like, "Actually, yeah, I saw his entire career because he did in real time." John, <laughs> John Lister saw Terry Funk's retirement match. Has been to Japan, you know, been the Tokyo Dome, covered British wrestling history from the seventies until now, and what he's also seen. <laughs> is the career from start to finish of Benson Richards live in the fresh. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to make any books he writes at any point, but still cool he was there. <laughs> what a leg lariat, it says in speech marks. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, mate, book. yeah, th- th- this leg lariat, like, how shit hot were you at it? Could you do like a 450 leg lariat now? No, it's... It started. It started out as I thought I was going to do a a Harlem um, sidekick, and I couldn't do it. 
and it just turned into a leg lariat. Oh, I wasn't athletic enough. But it was the one move I could do well, so I did it a lot. There you go. There's a lesson for all uh, all young young wrestling fans. You can do something well, do it. If you can't do something well, don't do it. I couldn't drop kick, so I didn't drop kick. I learned that from David Boy Smith. You know, you gotta uh, <laughs> you gotta pick your moments. What you were saying with that, that was like one of the things I thought was absolutely fascinating was um, that and, and getting your merch from eBay was really, uh, merch, your, uh, your gear from eBay. So oh, rock on. I think there is merch you could have to put up on there, couldn't you? <laughs> easy, easy Ernie, easy Ernie Benson. Is it? Oh, I wrote itself. Oh, no. Soccer AM was massive at that point, you know? Easy, easy it merch, was, you know? That was the idea. We thought that we'd had to get over, but didn't happen. But we said before we'll maybe chat some of that stuff over here on the uh, on the Patreon at some point. Do a uh, do a little thing. Me and you have talked about before, JP. But but no, again, thank you to uh, to everyone for the the kind words, and especially you guys as well, and especially for joining us for that that last hour and uh, and getting us over the finish line as well. I think it was uh, it was very much needed as uh, as me and Martin hit the uh, the stages of uh, of delirium there. So no, it was it was a great day and absolutely yeah for a great cause as well. So made up with it um but yeah i was gonna say i mean while i was doing that you guys get up to anything at the weekends and i know what you got up to gareth but you know uh anything <laughs> the more. I, I managed to leave oxford i went to bristol for the day as i'll uh-huh. talk about it, uh probably at the end when we're talking sort of rev pro stuff but i managed to have a wander around bristol which mm. i haven't been to for a while and it was a glorious day and it was really nice Apart from having to get a train back and then realising, oh, trains are shit, aren't they? They don't just turn up on time. They'll just cancel the fuckers <laughs> for reasons. Um, so, yeah, it was like a little bit of a ball ache getting back. Um, but it was it was just sort of nice leaving Oxford, to be honest. Hoping to do it a few times. Hoping to come up north. I'll be, I'll be getting to see you in the flesh this weekend, Benno, and then hopefully go and see you in the flesh as well, Gareth. Um yeah, it's, it's it's the big reopening, mm. and in no way is any of that big reopening going to go wrong. So <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a yeah, it was a good week. I enjoyed the enjoyed the weather. Hopefully, you did yesterday, Benno. Mm. Yeah, I, I got out. I had a walk. I saw some fresh air. It was worthwhile. That was it. That's all you needed. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, that was my day. Basically, sat in the garden for a bit, feet up, having a beer, reading a book, listening to you and Martin. Go out, go to the beach. <laughs> at the beach, sit in the sun, have a beer, read the book. You know, nice, <laughs> lovely, lovely day. Nice, nice to see you. Yeah. Nice to see a bit of the, uh, the sun and let you do the hard work. There you go. Exactly. Let's listen to a bit of synth music, Benno. You know, I'm a big, big fan. Best of the pesh mode. There you go. Although I did actually, there was someone in. They were saying that um, they need to give personal Jesus as a theme tune to someone in AEW. Like, uh, and I was trying to think of who that is, because that, that would be a belting theme tune I for mean, anyone to come out to. I was Austin Maybe Aries for a very long time. It was, a, it was a great theme, fit in perfectly when he was a ROH champion, you know? Wasn't William Eva as well? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, that didn't work so well. Fucking hell. Well, I, I, was, I, was, I was just thinking there, there's somebody else here. Uh, it was ringing a bell, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good <laughs> that's it but yeah obviously uh, with, uh, with me being quite busy there and like JP said uh, he was out at, uh, out at Rev Pro which he's going to give us the uh, the road report on a, a little bit later we did have uh, plans to do a, uh, we've got a it is still coming we've got a, a Patreon special um, as shown as by, uh, by uh, King of the Mountain and uh, Simon Gunn um, where we're going to look at the uh, our memories of uh, the wrestling channel uh, slash TWC fight um, from back in the day very much looking forward to that chat the patrons can expect that in the feeds uh, likely tomorrow 
tomorrow. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, plenty of other stuff uh, going on on the uh, the Patreon side, JP. Yeah, yeah, we've had our, our updates coming through as well, which has been uh, sort of re- really good fun. It's a hell of a journey if you're following me on that as uh, going through those. Um, but also at the same time, we've had uh, we've got loads now, quite a back catalogue of uh, of older shows. You want to go back and and listen to some of those. So we've obviously had our weekend preview as well. We had our rise and fall of NXT. Um, and if you haven't heard that as well, I've also had the Australian wrestling chat, which has also gone up on the free feed as well. And like you say, TWC. And then I think we're going to be hitting a kind of a bit of TNA stuff is going to be coming up on the, uh, on the Patreon side as well, which mm. is, it's just going to be overdue. funny. Um, we are overdue. We've been waiting a, a while for, for a bit more sort of TNA exclusive content. So, uh, hey, is this a dig? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Very much so, mate. I, you know. There he goes again. Kept you, kept you waiting, have I, JP? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. There's the one person, the silent majority, complaining <laughs> away about this type of stuff. But yeah, if you haven't subscribed already and you could be watching us on here now, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't all just sitting out in the sun at the weekend. There was a uh, pouring over, um, pouring over TNA cards and playing with Excel. So there you go. There's, there's a hint to what might be coming soon. I know. I I apologise, Gareth, <laughs> and I do have a habit of overpromising on some of these things. <laughs> well, you know, there might be some more Australian promotions going on the app as well. Or, you know, you, you've uh, you know you, you you've had a word, haven't you? I'll swing that. I'll swing that. I'll start that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Famous words of JP Hillhan. Well, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll get into the uh, the week's wrestling, and there is, you know, as you uh, joked about in the pre-show, JP, with the uh, the big three to talk about today. And uh, no, that does not include uh, MLW Battle Riot, but it does include uh, WWE, AEW, Impact, and like we said, even some uh, Rev Pro to uh, to chat today. I suppose it's the uh, the most recent, um, and we should talk, um, you know, WWE's big return to uh, to crowds this weekend. Uh, I know you both have, uh, you know, painstakingly uh, squeezed uh, this show in. Um, I mean, I'm. I'm obviously talking the uh, the big WWE show of the weekend on the network, which is uh, Kevin Nash's interview with uh, with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, of course, that is. Uh... <laughs> How disappointing was that, by the way, JP? Like, that was. I thought we'd spend like hours on that today, and yeah, there's nothing to say, is there really? It just it was a couple of drunk lads getting edited to fuck. Like that's what happens. Like, yeah, yeah. that's why it was delayed for a week um, to cut out all the salacious stuff. It feels like. Yeah, it was the wrestling equivalent of Derek and Clive. Mm-hmm. And they basically decided to completely slice out every swear word. So if you listen to <laughs> Derek and Clive, it doesn't quite work without Peter Cook sort of like losing his shit. So it's it's ridiculous. Um, I've not seen the end of it. I mean, when you get Nash on the drink and he's talking wrestling, he's just talking the business of wrestling. And God love him. You, you're never going to get him on a heartwarming, how did it feel to be WWF champ? He's just thinking... Well, yeah, we drew a good fucking house in New York. What more do you want from this? And I got, you know, an, ex- an extra payday on it. And it's just glorious stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it'll just be cut. Then mm-hmm. they'll just be like, he'll say something and he'll be like, yeah, that was great. And then there'll just be like a, a, a like a blank frame mm-hmm. appear. And then all of a sudden, Austin's asking him another question. And you're like, yeah. What the hell are you cutting out here? Like, <laughs> what are we losing? So I've just come away. All I want is that un- uncut version put it on the mm. podcast don't say wwe 
has no responsibility for the content of it and just fucking release it because mm. that would be great. Otherwise, for people who, if you've seen, you know, the shoots and other stuff, it's it's sort of classic Kevin Was Nash. He, but he, he likes Steve Austin. Yeah, and if you've heard Kevin Nash talk to Steve Austin before, Sorry? it was if you've heard Kevin Nash talk to Steve Austin before, it was exactly that again. It was just, yeah, you know, it was every interview you've kind of ever read with them. And like, other than the fact that, like I say, Austin was kind of half cut himself and being a little bit belligerent. Like, like at the start where like Nash was trying to tell a story, I think about Barry Windham or something. Austin was like, "I wrestled Barry Windham when I wrestled Barry Windham. Yeah, we used to wrestle each other all the time." It's like, okay, Steve, calm down. Like, what's going on? Like, and it was just, it was Austin's just a bit... commentary over matches. Yeah. <laughs> And he was like, oh, oh, he was, he was, that was one where he was talking about the uh, the Bash of the Beach, uh, the Hogan turn. And he's like, oh, you see what I see there, don't you, Kev, when Hogan pinned Savage? And Nash was like, yeah. And Austin was like, you know, you know what I mean, though, don't you? And he's like, yeah. And apparently, like, Hogan pinning Savage after, you know, where uh, Hall does the count. Puts his foot in the chest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not even a foot on the I think he does pin him, but he's like, he's high up on the pin. Oh, and Austin's trying to make, like, this point about how that was disrespectful. And I'm not really sure what he's on about. And it's just, <laughs> there's loads of little awkward moments like that. Like, say, Austin was cane in the beers. Nash was cane in the red wines. And it was just, it felt a bit messy, to be honest. Um, but, you know, there was still some entertainment value to, to be had out of it. There was, you know, Nash telling stories about uh, at first trying to talk about like they're trying to have a serious conversation about how you know TNA had like it had you know it had Nash, it had Angle, it had Sting, they had you know the name check like Samoa Joe, AJ, Kazarian, Daniels, and how seriously you know this could have been a real thing. And Nash is like, yeah, yeah, you know, it was just you know we didn't get the promotion off the network and stuff like that. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Spike fucking promoted just loads. It was because it was crap. That's why it didn't go anywhere. What are you on about? Like, and then like the mask very quickly slips because Nash, so Austin's like, so what was your mindset when you worked in TNA and Nash was like well you know I'd drive 50 miles in my car I'd work a six-man tag I'd go and get two steak burgers and then I'd get paid like you know a few hundred grand for the privilege yeah that was my memories of working in TNA and it was like yeah exactly the big fucking ATM that Dixie Carter was running is what TNA was to uh, to Nash and the lads don't be don't be trying to pull out the wool over my eyes pretending the main event mafia should have been drawing millions or whatever yeah, long, long in the line lineage of people who went to fucking TNA, they, like that entire faction, and mm. just completely drained it of all of the fucking cash. I mm. will always say him and TNA, him and the paparazzi production stuff with Alex Shelley was funny. Mm. It was genuinely funny. Doesn't come and up. The, Unbelievable. Oh, they didn't ask about what the, the, was it the Kevin Nash series he ran for all the mm. X Division wrestlers and stuff mm. like that, which was like, and he was just taking the piss the entire time. That was some of his best stuff. Oh, it's gold. That all that stuff with the ratings where he was drawing the curve and all that. Like Hogan, <laughs> <laughs> Austin. Nash. <laughs> oh, amazing. He's, yeah. But also the the beauty the beauty of Kevin Nash is that any explanation he gives is kind of plausible. So you end up just kind of going, he's probably bullshit in here, but that's a pretty damn convincing excuse and you just think that's how he got away with it that's how, mm. how all of these people all the right throughout his career they all still love him mm. they all still think he's great it's like it's fucking hilarious it's like there's no one who really speaks kind of ill of him outside of what shane douglas and i don't think anyone gives a shit what he thinks well yeah uh, I mean, if you're unless you're in a pub and making ads, he's the you make other it. sort of UK tour, that, t- speaking tour that you were not. You know. 
<laughs> yeah, then you might care. <laughs> well, he'd struggle to get across unless he's been vaccinated on the... Uh, on the yeah, if he's, if he's getting that ferry. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say, like Liam's mentioned the tap there, Nash bullshits about but yeah, it was, he's never worn, a, never worn a tie in his life, but only to be shown wearing a tie at the Hall of Fame ceremony, like seconds later on the broadcast, uh, talking about, like like Liam said, the main event mafia pulling these big ratings, you know, it's it's history through Nash's lens is the thing, like there's a point as well where like, similar to because uh, Matty put a poll on Twitter, didn't he, uh, Brett versus Sean, and uh, Brett did win handedly, and like Nash is kind Kind of subtly Barry and Brett. I think he compares them as a Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, and he's trying to explain why, like you know, Sean had that extra like bit of pizzazz, which was why he was clearly so much better. And and then it, and then he's like, but you know, I, I would never say a bad thing about Brett Hart. It's like I'm pretty sure you just spent like ten minutes talking about why Brett's nowhere near as good as Sean. But okay, Kev, we'll take that. Um, it is. It's just two lads pissed in the pub. Um, so there's the, the, that positive to it. It's yeah. just when it feels like it's getting to the the good stuff it fades to black and then they're talking about something else and it just yeah it just doesn't really tie together very well yeah. it was all right don't bother is that the summary <laughs> Give it a lot of time <laughs> i listen to it as a podcast you don't mm. need to watch it but mm. compared to a lot of the other stuff on that network it's it's still in the top three of stuff that they've got available to watch on there today outside mm. of the archive stuff that which is really the damning indictment like i say there was an advert for the apa i'm told mm. no I, I don't care about that story story about ron simmons all over that fascinating story love to hear that get rid of the other fucker in the hat needs <laughs> to be around Agreed. Uh, well, on that note, um, let's talk about the, uh, the thing we did mean to uh, to talk about on the on the uh, on the WWE Network from this weekend, and that is yes, WWE's return to live audiences. And as we talked about JP on the on the weekend show, it still still blows my mind that there's fucking. 14,000 of the fuckers who are willing to turn up to SmackDown on Friday and another 10 to 11,000 who are willing to turn up to this pay-per-view on Sunday and, uh, and be invested in it. But to be fair, it carried both of those shows for me um, and made Money in the Bank largely watchable. Don't know. I genuinely don't know what you're... I haven't even seen your star ratings and uh, whether you used to agree on that. Um, but overall, you know, even if it was kind of watching it as a bit like of a social experiment and my lord was it one um, during that uh, that Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley uh, <laughs> matches uh, experiment of, oh, this is what it's like to have uh, live crowds uh, once again. Um, it was certainly interested um if nothing else and i think you know for, for the most part the last four matches delivered even if uh, the main event was uh, maybe a bit a uh, bit longer than the needed i genuinely uh, fell asleep during that last night and uh, and woke up to the uh, <laughs> to the post match which is like i uh, like i said to you earlier today gareth the, the main bit of that you uh, you actually really needed to see um but yeah you know by wwe standards also it was a pretty okay show which you know again we're talking with uh with wwe to turn to glasses on here but yeah did you uh, did you managed to see uh, those last uh, few matches of the, of the show did you uh, gareth in the end i watched two of them to be honest mm-hmm. <laughs> i watched um, i watched the charlotte flair ripley match i watched mm-hmm. the the money in the bank match and then you'd said like mm-hmm. oh yeah just fast forward you know for, you know watch be conservative with what you watch about that and yeah i must admit i went on cage match saw that it was a 33 minute match and i went i'm not watching 33 minutes of roman reigns against edge especially when Didn't need on it. the app it's got like a, it's got like a three point three rating or something like that. I was thinking, yeah, I don't need this. So I just fast forwarded till about three minutes from the end and watched mm. the finish and watched the post match post match angle. But I mean, 
again, for as down as you've consistently been on WWE for, for so long, even just watching, you know, those two matches and just seeing the reaction for that last angle, you're like, God, what a difference a crowd makes, doesn't it? You know, even like a product that we're so down on as, as WWE, just putting a, put a crowd in there. And, you know, even if it's, you know, they're not getting the reactions that they want in certain instances and things like that, just getting that reality, just like bleeding through into their product and it not just looking like something that's just been manufactured in a warehouse to fit their needs and things like that. It just, it, it just really just like lifted it off the, off the screen, you know, for me. And, you know, again, thoroughly enjoyed both, uh, both, both those matches that uh, did watch and thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the reaction to the uh, post match in the in the main event as well. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'd kind of I would kind of largely agree with that. Um, I ended up sort of watching the show. It was like kind of it was just a point where I'm not in work and it was so hot. Mm. So at points you just couldn't go outside. So it's like right, I'm going to watch a bit of this and then and then when it was all right to go outside, I was like, okay, take a little break from it. But that crowd definitely made it worthwhile. It was like even SmackDown, which I put on, on the BT Sport app on Saturday morning, which I wasn't expected oh, to. And it, again, it's kind it, of more think? of a social experiment. I tried to put it on the app Couldn't on Friday. My stepdad's changed the password. What's that about? I was like, I was like, Ooh. I can't text him at one in the morning and ask for the new password. So I've still not sorted it out, but I wasn't happy about that, to be honest. I had to go and watch wrestling like a peasant. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> hey. As, uh, as as Chris Chris Lane once told me, Extreme Wrestling Torrance is the real home of SmackDown. Not um, <laughs> very true. <laughs> it's very very true. Um, I tried like it was more of a social experiment to mm. kind of see, rather than I mean, and what I do still find is the presentation of it is completely still a turn off for me. There are stuff about the storylines I don't particularly like. Mm. What I did like was seeing you know, and obviously it's a WWE fan base, but hearing their reactions to stuff, stuff that's working and stuff that isn't, but it just felt like stuff that wasn't controlled because mm. there was the impression I got from SmackDown. It felt like they were piping in stuff at times. Yeah, they definitely were. Like, like why have a fucking crowd there then at that point? Like, mm. why hire the arena? Like, it, it really comes into the question of like, that's what you need. And I think even with that Charlotte Flair Rhea Ripley match, it kind of needed those chants. It created a little bit of kind of aggro and kind of woke things up a bit. And I, so I actually it felt think organic. That was a, felt yeah, organic. Never does, you know, Charlotte Flair God flipping off the me. crowd and going off character, and you know, doing panicking and fading to black. Like that was great. It was real. You know, I bet you she got in shitloads of trouble when she got backstage, but so did it made it so much better. If she starts doing that stuff in the build-up to a Becky Lynch return for like SummerSlam, mm. great. That's that's great TV, you know. Mm. Like that's the kind of stuff that you want to be going in with. Mm. Like, and it's those organic reactions, and that was the thing that that made Money in the Bank kind of watchable. What I will say is, from a review perspective, when you're reviewing a WWE show in the Thunderdome era, you could just skip through all of the entrances and save yourself a fuckload of time. Here, <laughs> you kind of had to sit through all of them just to hear how people responded. Mm. So it kind of meant you had to, I watched the entire three hours, 20 minutes of this. Mm. And uh, and at points, that felt like a hard watch when you're watching eight entrances for the women's mon- uh, Money in the Bank ladder match or the Viking Raiders come out to no response. And you're just like, oh, that's quite sad. <laughs> Remember War Machine? Remember them? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> feels like a long time ago everyone and it's like they can't even cheer war machine 
Fucking great tag team. Some great battles. I don't think the lads helped themselves, though. They've been in WWE for like four years now, and it don't look like they've been to a gym once, you know what I mean? He's already five foot tall, lads. At least, you know, give Vince something. Like, you know, I, I feel like they, they, they deserve they some blame there. They work in a gym. Yeah. Don't they? Mm. Yeah. There's I, no one in that company as an excuse where... I didn't. I didn't have time or access to go to the gym. It's like the ring's there, the gym's there. Like, what are you talking about? You can see it, <laughs> in, and you're paid to be it. Mm. That's it. But yeah, I mean, I thought overall as a as a card, it was interesting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but- like, it, and it was it was kind of it was good, but it was made better by the overall audience. Mm. Definitely. I mean, like to go through like the the main matches. I think it is kind of those those final four, which are you know have got the biggest talking points. Like I did really enjoy uh, Bobby Lashley and Kofi Kingston for what it was. It felt like you know j- it felt very much like Jay Lethal and, uh, and Brody King from the ROH pay per view last weekend. JP, that's what they kind of reminded me of, and it's what mm. it needed to be. You know, again, you know, while there are things we liked about this show, you know, obviously there is still the the elephant of WWE's horrific booking in the in the background and the fact that you know don't make my own mistake Bobby Lashley is only going over Kofi Kingston this strong because they're probably going to feel Bobby Lashley to Bill Goldberg which personally I find quite hilarious because um, it does really the people who are still invested in, I don't know if you've noticed that the people on like my timeline the people I know are still very invested in WWE really don't like Bill Goldberg because like he just comes in and smashes through everybody but I'm not invested in any of these wrestlers so it's actually quite fine by me I quite look forward to, to seeing him do it despite you know the diminishing returns of uh, of Goldberg as he gets uh, gets older and older within this system but you know that's the reason this is happening but you know if you really, you know, a competent company should be going this strong with Bobby Lashley, you know, uh, it's not like I think he's the best wrestler in the world, but it's fair to say he's been one of the stronger points of, of uh, you know, empty arena WWE. I don't know if that's, you know, you know, faint praise or whatever, but it's it's praise of a kind in that, you know, he has he's done his job well and, you know, he's someone who you, you should protect in the book. And Audience reacting should fly to through Kofi. Yeah, absolutely. Comes across like a star, doesn't he? I wish the hair business was still with him. I think that was yeah. a, that was absolutely, a, you know, a star presentation too. But no, him and MVP are great and I was quite happy to, to, to see him smash through Kofi here, to be honest. Yeah, it was. When he said it was like the Jay Lethal Brody King match, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, yeah completely mm-hmm. works and i i really enjoyed it um like for, well i went three stars on it yeah but it did job that it kind of needed to do mm. and it's just that you, if it's him versus goldberg and my god my god this raw tonight has got what's it's gonna have cena on it it's gonna have goldberg on it so it feels like they're really stacking it up um mm. in the build up to SummerSlam. But that old trick, yeah, <laughs> which will completely work and fix all of their problems. So we're gonna get two headliners in from the past to, to, to you know, and they're running out of people to do this with. Um, well, I'll tell you what, if Goldberg turns up in his um, lost property PE shorts that he wore for his last match, there, and uh, I'll be tuning into Raw as well because, uh, as, as, as good as Lashley's come across during this uh, COVID era, to, to see him get beat by half ass Goldberg as well, where he's just <laughs> yeah. grabbing that pair of shorts in the back and throwing them on for the win like he did there. <laughs> Lashley, Lashley's only like 
six years younger than Goldberg. I know. I, well, or something like that. I think Lashley's 45. And I, yeah, and you know me, I love a good time and age fact, as as do we. But like, I, I didn't realise that until I saw somebody tweeted this weekend and I said, like, you know, 45, that's the age Hulk Hogan was when he retired and ran for president. You know what I mean? Like, Lashley looks, you know, <laughs> 20 years younger than Hogan did at that point. Like, when was Flair 45? Like, 1997 or something? Like, it's, uh, it's crazy, isn't oh it? God, um, yeah. He, look, he looks fucking good for his age. He Oh yeah. There's always been a question mark. I won't. I remember Joe Rogan talking about Bobby Lashley and just going, "There's no way that bloke isn't on the gas." Oh well, yeah, <laughs> there is that too. <laughs> His presence, but then this comes like the thing with Bobby Lashley has been really ever since the kind of TNA run. He discovered his character, mm. the second TNA run. Mm. And at that point, totally. even though it was at a very small level, he got to work on that character in that environment, and now he's able to do it in WWE and he's clearly, and I, and I think this is why like they kind of react to him is he, there's kind of not really much of a gimmick necessarily mm-hmm. other than he's got the MMA credibility and he's got this look and in the ring, he's able to put together to like the kind of good dominant performance that you kind of, that they'd always kind of wanted from him. Mm-hmm. It's just very strange that he's, like, imagine if he was able to do this when he was at that Mania match with Donald Trump and Vince McMahon versus Umaga. Like, he would have been an absolute, like, fucking superstar, wouldn't he, at that point? It just feels, at this point, the age is something that they'll end up using against him. But frankly, I don't see any reason they should take this title off him for, for the near future. Don't think no, anyone else is going to be there. It's like found himself, hasn't he? Like he's, yeah. I think it's, it's a phrase you've used in the past, Benno, about like being comfortable in your own skin almost sometimes. And now, and, and he just, he looks totally comfortable out there and it just shows of like years and years experience and leaving WWE and working in different places and things like that of like clearly, you know, open his eyes to different things. And, you know, what a surprise. Someone like your JP says there that it, there's no real gimmick around it. Yeah, what a surprise. Somebody <laughs> just going in there looking like a massive hard bastard, like gets over with the crowd and then, and like, like he conveys that as well. Like doesn't need the bells and whistles, doesn't it? You, you know, you can just you can just a wrestler can just look like they're going to go in there and kill people, mm-hmm. and when they let them go out there and do it, um, you know, what a yeah surprise! They they look like stars, and they and they and they get over like tried yeah. and tested formula for years. <laughs> for some reason, to be to steer away from. You know. But also, he had to go away and come back for Vince to take him seriously. Like he was someone who. You know, Vince McMahon's wet dream, you know, you know, the creator wrestler for Vince McMahon, he probably looks like Bobby Lashley, you know, like like that. The fact that, you know, he was in the wild for so long never really made any sense. But yeah, like you say, he went out there, proved himself, came back with a with a bit more confidence and like you say, comfortable in his own skin. And yeah, there you go. He's reaping the the rewards of it now. Um as much as a joke about it, you know, I'd like to see him beat Goldberg. I'd like to see them, you know, go with someone new, although you know, again, that's someone new is forty five, so you've always gotta, you know, have that pause. But yeah, still but you know, that's a big match there. And you know, I thought, you know, I'll give them pelters about uh, some of the rest of the booking on this card, but I thought that was mm. that was strong booking. Um Weak booking was the the next match. I think I mean, it was the it turned out great, but Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair have had you know a number of matches now that have had shite finishes. They're both 
particularly unlikable heels and then you throw them out there in a, in a big match and then what do the fans do after all you've done is tease the fact that, that Becky Lynch might be coming back they cheer for Becky Lynch uh, you know anyone has followed this a lot along live at the time and there were a number of people including journalists saying things like oh the fans should be more respectful you know and it's like fuck off like, you know, oh. I hate that shit like come on like if WWE presented a compelling storyline or a compelling babyface in this situation you know or you know uh, held off on the Becky Lynch stuff this wouldn't be happening like you know the fans are the fans giving organic reactions is exactly why we're all so glad that we got crowds back at these shows and yeah like you both said it paid off um because it it created a organic moment in charlotte Flair flipping off the fans you know she can't help but she's a bit like a dad she can't hide their emotions and you know they were plain to see on her face throughout this match and then fair play to the to the two in there they they turned it round, and you know it was a little bit sloppy in parts because well it's still a charlotte flair match but you know if anything that maybe added a little bit to like some of the level of danger like that crazy moonsault to the outside that, that charlotte did and you know a couple of the, the spots they did in the corner and using the uh, the ring steps on the outside it all kind of like created this it felt a bit raw really it felt it didn't feel you know it felt the whole presentation felt more organic than, than anything I've seen in a WWE ring in a while. And I think the imperfections kind of added to that. And it was a barn burner in the end. Loads of great near falls near the end. Crowd were bang into it, cheering for both women by the end. And you could see, you know, that look of kind of satisfaction on both Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair's face of like, yeah, you fuckers, we won you round, you know, with good work, uh, really all together. And yeah, thought this was a well worth a watch. I hope it was a, a worthy recommendation for you, Gareth. Yeah, definitely. I was, I was, you know, really, really pleased watching this one. And like, I think, like you say that there, Benno, I think that rawness just really did like come through with it, and it just like added something so massive to this. The match was just that physicality or the aggression that just came through, and because yeah, just just the way some things did look a bit like awkward and things, it looked like it was a real fight in parts, and it was two people who were like actively trying to hurt each other, which yeah. you know, again, mm. you know, my style, you know, my preferred style of wrestling. I want it to look real. I want it to look like it's that level of aggression's there, and that people are like genuinely in a in a fight, and it's not just you know, you know spot 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 kind of thing and looking too much like a dance and 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 again it's that you know to to bring an old joe lemon line back it's that um, perfection and imperfection side of things you know that um you know definitely shone through uh shone through with this one and but you know i just think you know overall there was some there was some even outside of the scrappier fighty stuff there was there was just some great things that just you, you know I, I really liked and landed like Rhea landed a, a German suplex that just looked absolutely brutal. Like, um, I didn't like Charlotte maybe getting up as quick as she did after it, but then she then immediately like stuck her in that like really deep, uh, you know, balls, um, Boston Crab, like it was almost like a, you know, an old school Walls of Jericho, you know, like the high Boston Crab, which again, again that really, the, the way she had that on and the way that she was cinching that in, again, it just really looked like that she was, um, you know, she, she was genuinely trying to hurt her rather than just sitting there with her in a in a hold and you know and again even just like with the, with, the, with the finish you know putting the knee behind the steps and you know slapping on the slapping on the, the figure eight after that you know it it, it made sense as uh, as well from that that point of view for for, for for the way that ended and you know all, all in all like 
really enjoyed it. You know, I went 3.75 on it, which, you know, again, for Same. for me in a WWE match, that's, that's, that's spot on. And then when you look at the app, it's at like higher than that at like 3.84 average, you know. So again, there was clearly a lot of people throwing fours and 4.25s at it over and over and above that really. So yeah, for, for me, essentially this has been the, the first match I watched on the show. Yeah, proper up for it. And just again, that organic, side of the crowd really adding for the, adding to things and seeing them win the crowd back and get them on side through their work again that's what fucking wrestling's supposed to be about it's supposed to be about putting on a match that works in a certain way that you get the crowd so engaged that they invest in it and they forget what they're doing or forget about the other chance that they're doing and things like that and as opposed as for those journalists that you referenced there talking about like being dis- disrespectful like fuck off like like what, what on earth are you talking about like if those people were around and like the attitude here when the crowds are going mad chanting for austin and things or when you know the rocks are heel and people are like chanting for rocky and thing you know getting getting them over and like a massive are those same journalists did the would, would they have wanted um steve steve austin fans to just be sat there silent in the crowd because they don't want him coming in and trampling all over another segment fuck off you know, you know it's it's all about getting fans invested in something and care enough to be you know, you know shouting about it and then when you can actually turn them away from that from the work that's going on with the two other people in the ring then great you've got two two things over two things have worked you know so yeah just uh fuck off you don't get it totally i'd I'd echo a lot of those thoughts. I, I went three and a half on it. Um, 3.75, certainly did have a think about. I think I just sort of erred on the side of caution. But these two, when you let them go, if you can remember from that awful WrestleMania, the two-day one from the Performance Centre, they arguably had the match of the weekend, possibly outside of the uh, graveyard match with AJ Styles and The Undertaker. But they meshed very well. I think you're right, Benno. What those balls did up has been these awful finishes. And a lot of the kind of shitty storytelling. And then this felt real. It didn't feel contrived like a lot of WWE stuff. Mm. And I think for that reason alone, it just sort of made it work as a match. And I think when we talk about like, you know, it's disrespectful um, to not react, to, to react in that way. I think it's disrespectful to kind of, not ask these performers to be able to respond. No, because mm. ultimately like how you know that audience has paid and invested in their time and money they wouldn't react like that and things like the the bloody you know a lot of these audience wouldn't react like with the beach ball stuff if they were being entertained i think suit williams put up a great article today about like you know about where the real kind of problems lie with wwe hmm. but crowds are going to react this way for quite a while they've come back and they've come back rowdy i mean ufc shows tell you that like a lot of these crowds are coming back and they're wanting to make up for some lost time. So they're going to react the way that they want to. And if they think that, you know, oh God, we're worried about it now, what's SummerSlam going to be like when they're mm. doing it in the stadium in front of 40,000 people? Mm. It's like, you, good luck trying to sweeten that crowd noise. Um, but I thought overall for this, like as soon as it was the like, we want Becky and Charlotte flipped it off. It was like, oh, this feels real. I'm actually invested in this. And then from sort of that point onwards, I was I was pretty much with the match. Totally, totally. 
and that's it you know this is why we want to see wrestling in front of crowds again um it's for reactions like this and you know companies should be happy that at least the chant for somebody who's on the contract it's not cm punk chance anymore at least it's becky lynch you know <laughs> like uh, if it was me i call an audible like, if becky's in the building i get her to come out afterwards and do a showdown with uh with charlotte to be honest lean into that you know make money with that you know that, that's business is supposed to be organic that's, that's the match you go for isn't it i presume it's coming um uh, i wonder if they'll do anything um with that on raw tonight but um <laughs> your device plugged in now jp <laughs> is he there we lost him i'm a what oh we just keep hearing no. the usb plug it plugging in and out oh yeah <laughs> sorry about that yeah it's my phone shot <laughs> No worries. Uh, but yeah, moving on from there, um, it's uh, technical issues all around tonight. Um, but yeah, um, really Money in the Bank uh, came up next, the uh, the men's um, version of the match. Might talk about the uh, the women's one in, in a little bit. But yeah, this is one where, you know, we mentioned the grapple rating for that last match, uh, Gareth, particularly high for this one. And uh, I don't know how I feel about it, really. I enjoyed it. I, I gave it three and a half stars, but I don't know. People. If you had a ladder to a match, it's almost like Meltzer does that. He adds an extra star on. Uh, maybe that's it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you guys are higher than me, but I enjoyed it. You know, there were fun fun spots in there. Um, it was fun to watch live, to be honest, because it was the match where Peacock shit the bed in the US. And uh, I don't know if anyone else was watching it live. My timeline was filled with uh, entitled Americans uh, expecting the WWE to, to stop the pay-per-view because Peacock was having trouble. And the, meanwhile, the Europeans and the rest of the world are quite happily watching along on the network. It was like, oh, cool. This shit normally happens to us. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind you lot. It was, uh, fuck me, there were some, uh, some toys thrown out of the, uh, out of the pram over that. Um, but yeah, um, you know, as a match enjoyed it thought you know i think everyone will, will reference the uh, the ricochet spot when he uh got pushed off the ladder and did the uh the springboard uh to the outside that mm. was absolutely the spot of the match for me ricochet you know you forget sometimes because he is kind of he's a bit of he's an idiot and he's a bit of a dickhead and he you know has been used terribly in wwe you forget actually he's still one of the you know the better performers in the world and if he was in a competent wrestling company i think we'd be we'd see a lot more of that um but no i thought that was a that was a big highlight of the match um i thought john morrison was actually you know pretty good in there as far as creating interest and stuff kevin owens went out there with a death wish and was pretty much willing to kill himself in, in front of uh live fans again to uh to get things over and you know arguably got the right results as well at the end of it with a uh, with big with big e going over i think my mileage on it uh, on big e being a, a top guy is maybe a bit lower than a lot of other people but Worth a go. Um, if they are gonna, you know, try and push, you know, some fresh faces, he's probably your guy. And yeah, all the North thought it was a good bit of business, but yeah, maybe not as a, as high in it as that. Uh, is it four star or the grapple average at the minute, Gareth? That's right. Yeah, it's currently averaging out at like four point zero two um, on on the app so far. So easily match of the night for you know the majority of people who've uh, who've rated it so far, but. But I'm with you, Benno. It was a, it was good. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't at that level. It was a three and a half for me as well. And it was, you know, it was just, it was just having, you know, talked about the the previous match being, you know, more in my line of like my kind of match. This was something that was just, you know, a very a series of very good spots and very good spots that were pieced together with um, not much necessarily in between them. It was just, you know, these two guys doing something cool. They move out of the way. Here's two other guys doing something cool and mm. uh, they move out of the way and do that. But yeah, there was, I mean, there was plenty to get um, excited about. And I'm the same as you. Like, I think with um, Ricochet there, you just, you just see him and he's just like, 
I don't know, he just he feels like just some jobber or something like that when you mm. you see him on your screen these days because his, his his value is basically nothing. But then you see the stuff that is, you know, he does in this match, and then you're just like reminded of, you know, actually this is the sort of stuff that this guy can be doing and he should be doing on your TV at like a pretty you know, serious level on a pretty regular basis. And, you know, I was watching this thinking, is this finally going to be like some kind of, you know, door opening for them again to actually, you know, see the responses that he got from the live crowd for doing some of this shit where, you know, people were absolutely off the seats and thinking, oh, are they maybe going to go like, okay, yeah, let's let's give him another go. Probably not. It was probably just more of a case of, here you go, here's your opportunity, go out there and kill yourself for, for you know, First, for some of these other lads who we've got um, got bigger ideas for as well, but yeah, I mean, all, all in all, there was there was just like a, a you know nice nice few different spots that were that, that just worked in there with, with 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 lots of different people, like you say, Kevin Owens, you know, Death Wish wanting to kill himself with the power bomb to the outside through the ladder, and you know they had you know just some little things that they they worked in, like obviously with the, the Nakamura triangle um, on the, on the top of the ladder. I thought that was quite nice as well. I think the thing that worked for me is all in all really was the match length. Like it didn't overstay its welcome by any means. I think I it was, was like eighteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, which was, which was like perfect it was a when you watched it it was like that was a nice amount of time nothing felt labored for for that point which meant that you know they didn't go overboard on the ladder bollocks with like you know ladder spots and things like that there was a select amount of spots that involved the ladder which meant that they felt a bit more meaningful and then they were a bit more impactful even when it's a seven millionth ladder match that you've seen in in WWE, it also meant that there wasn't overboard on the climbing up the ladder at the slowest pace that you can possibly do spots as well. There was there was basically none or very few of those, you know, or or, or, or when there was a ladder climb, someone was there to react quickly to it again. So again, that was something that normally that like immediately takes me out of this uh, this type of match. But again, we didn't have that have that either. So yeah, all in all, it was just like entertaining. It was one of those things where I'm like, am I ever going to go back and watch this in my life ever again? Probably not, kind of thing. But for the twenty minutes that I sat there and watched it, did I enjoy it more than I don't know the previous you know hundred matches that I've watched from WWE? Yeah, it was probably in my top ten or something like that, really. And I got got a lot of enjoyment out of it. But the mm-hmm. the main thing I do want to talk about is what the fuck was that polystyrene rock that Drew came out and put his sword into? It was like oh, fucking spinal tap, Stonehenge. I was waiting for like you know I was I was waiting for the druids to come out and start dancing around his little little rock that he was shoving his sword into. I was thinking someone like measured this in inches or something like that because I was like, is that a turd or something? When I first saw it at the top of the ramp, I couldn't quite work my work out what it bloody was. He's fighting, um, fighting uh, gender over it as well, isn't he? Like that's his reward for, for you know, he was shoved into the limelight during the uh, during the pandemic era, and you know I don't think to everyone's uh, enjoyment, particularly yours, Gareth. Like I thought, you know, earlier in the night he cut a. I don't think you'll have seen it, Gareth. He cut a promo, like a backstage promo, which felt very babyface Roman Reigns, and like to say the reaction was mixed, would say the least. It was. You know, there were a fair few boos for Drew, and it was like, oh, there we go, they're going with that. You know, big daddy cool diesel 1995 push for uh, for Drew, um, and it's going the exact same way uh, Babyface Diesel did and Babyface Roman did. But saying that, the fans were, were relatively positive when he was it right in front of them, but I don't know. A gender feud is no, hardly I, I, like, the, like the well done. I need, 
I, I thought when he came out because they brought him out last, didn't they? And mm. like he, he came out, and I thought it was a bit like Miles, the reaction to him sticking his sword in his in, in his <laughs> thing, his rock, whatever it was. And then he so and then he you know stood, stood in the corner and did his big pose and kind of. I was just like watching the crowd, and I reckon there was like two in a hundred were actually like reacting to him. You know, as uh, most people just sort of stood there staring blankly ahead, and I was just like, yeah, here we go, live crowds are back through um, full evidence here of what the, I was right all along I think because at the end of the day fucking Johnny Impact was more over than him in this match Johnny fucking Impact that was weird <laughs> that was very very weird like how over he was like during, doing the Johnny Drip Drip chant I was like oh. My God, these people are actually watching the programming as well because, like, this is completely lost. I had no idea what it was. Um, none, like none, no, <laughs> none whatsoever. It's like it's like there's lots of things like Riddle and Randy Orton stuff. Mm. It's just like I've entirely missed really what all of this is about whatsoever. And they had that weird promo at the start of the match and the rest of it, which I kind of felt when the match started off. I was like, oh God, this is going to be awful. Um, but I, I generally agree with you guys. I mean, it's a ladder match. I think it's raised by the fact it's in front of an audience who are wanting to react to stuff like that because they hadn't seen that kind of spectacular car crash match. And they certainly hadn't seen that earlier on in the show because that really wasn't a spectacular ladder match, whereas this one was. Um, the Drew stuff is funny. I thought the backstage promo he did, it was... It summed up everything they do wrong with baby faces. Totally. It was a pandering, pro, a pandering promo. And no one wants that. Like, and you look at Bobby Lashley, say, for example, the reason why he is more over than Drew is there's no pandering. And yeah, you'd say like nominally he's a heel, but in terms of a character, no, not really. He's just like, he wants to win the end. There's pretty much like, that's it. And he thinks he's great. So Mm -hmm. like the idea is that he actually kind of backs it up. Whereas with Drew, they like... There's no point trying to get this kind of divisive reaction stuff with him, which is what I fear the route they'll go down. If you want to get some value from it, then would you not want to turn him heel ultimately? But then again, like, and I think on that raw side, they could probably do with someone like that. But yeah, it, it, I don't see crowds getting more into Drew. I thought it was funny in the match that put spots during it when he was on offense they were reacting to that, like the Claymore kick to Rollins and stuff. But as soon as he went for the ladders, they started booing. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, we're happy to see a few spots. We don't want to see this bloke win. And then when Big E won, it was like a really good crowd-pleasing moment. It was like a very obvious thing to do. Cause, and I thought largely during the match, he was kind of anonymous for the most part, Big E of all of them. I thought that like that um, movie did to Rollins, his finish, I can't think of the name. Oh, the big ending. The big ending. I thought that looked great. Because I've always been a bit iffy about that as a finisher, but it, Rollins made it look great. Mm. So, I, you know, him winning is the obvious thing. However, what's I think the ceiling? I want to see him. What do you think with Big E? Like, where do you think? Like, I feel Get like him on the talk show, Turkey, and I think he'd be an interesting person to put out there as I... like a figurehead. Mm. But I don't I, know I, if he'd connect in this environment. I don't. See I it think he him. could have been a good star like three, three or four years ago. I think they've missed the boat. I think he, he felt like organically over, like mm. fuck, and had bags of charisma and things mm. of a few years ago. But he just feels, 
like it was good, like good reaction to him winning that match. And I'm like pleased they're like giving that opportunity, but it just feels like there's a staleness that's set in probably now over over the last sort of three or four years. And as usual, they've just they've just gone too too late with it for me. I just, I, I just think they've missed the boat completely. And it it was um it, I kind of almost like threw him in the same mix as when we talked about like Miro when like when back in when Rusev was getting those crowd reactions. I felt like Big E was probably it was probably like a similar time period that he was getting, you know, really really strong crowd reactions. But again, you've you know, just hang on, hang on, you know, make them you know, not appear to be at that level and then suddenly, you know, is you know, it is getting there now, but you think the mileage for this has uh, has been lost. Can he do non-comedy always- stuff though? Like has he got it in him? Like this was kind of my point with him, JP. I was gonna say, like he I feel like anytime people get behind him and think he should be pushed. I'm like, you know, where to mm. go, you know, charismatic bloke, you know, can work, you know, there's some there's clearly something there. Uh, yeah, but I've never seen him like, you know, even when he's in serious programs, he's still doing jokey mid card comedy, like it's a comfort blanket thing for him. Like he never I don't know, I've never mm. seen him cut like a promo where I've gone, you know what, that could be a top guy. I've never seen him have a match where I would say, yeah, that could be a top guy. I just don't know if I've ever actually seen him, you know, show this potential that for some reason we all believe he's got i think when it comes to like it's it's funny because i think he fits the mold of what they want in a top guy mm. in for a lot of the reasons that, that you kind of mentioned there that you know the obvious things like the size and and having the tenure and being well liked within the company but also then by fans at the same time i think when it comes to the serious promo stuff the closest i always think to it is the one that with Miz on talking smack. Now, obviously that happens Mm. very much in a vacuum and away from it all. And I thought there, like, we don't know because he's never been put in that scenario. They've never written the character that way where he's going to be able to deliver those kind of promos. Now, do I think he can do it? I actually think he could. I don't like, I, I think he could cut those kind of promos. The issue for me is always going to be the work rate stuff. But yeah, what's his best match? Can you name one? Well, that's it. Like, I'm thinking of, ta- it might be a variety of tags. Even mm. in NXT, when, when he first came in, he was the, he was squashing guys and doing five counts, like on very er- early NXT TV. When he first came in, I think it was Ziggler's bodyguards. Like, there really wasn't much. But then for a lot of it, he's just sort of been really around tags. But that's the issue, is you're going to have to deliver on that. Like, Kofi Kingston could deliver on a big match because he's a, very good professional wrestler and he was in there with Daniel Bryan Big E is a different story mm-hmm. but then you'd have to book the match entirely different I think that's it I have more confidence probably in the character than you guys would, would have sure. and I, I'm i probably of the opinion of well why not mm. like they've oh, pushed yeah. so many other people for fucking much worse excuses I think he I'd is a bloke who's kind of completely in house mm. so it, it makes complete sense for me but mm. I think imagine the last few years like a lot of people there they're just jaded because they've just been treading water for years and you start to lose the fact of it happening and they only do it when they're kind of in dire straits which then puts uh, rather than thinking we're in a good position at the minute we need to build future stars they don't i think at the moment they're so reactive that they they'll push people up when things are bad particularly in terms of television ratings, hoping that that will work. And by that point, like you guys have said, a lot of the times you've kind of missed the boat on this stuff and it's not really going to work. So do I think he could do it? Yeah. Do I think it will work? 
probably not because I've zero faith in their booking and I've no reason to believe it will change anytime soon. Yeah, I, th- I think the way that, like, I think when he could have worked, you know, like I say, like a, f- a few years ago, it was probably when a lot of the stuff that they were doing did feel a little bit more organic and a bit less less scripted. I felt like the New Day got given a bit of license a, a few years ago to just be a little bit more off the cuff. And like, it was very clear that a lot of the stuff that they were doing, it wasn't coming out of the writer's room and it wasn't coming out of Vince McMahon's brain because there was cultural references in there and and there was things that were, you know, very much like more engaging. Whereas I, f- I feel like maybe that's been dialed back a, li- a bit more, and they don't necessarily have that same freedom to do that. You know, like I, I'm not one of these people who don't. You know, I think you can be a top guy and still have a comedic element to you. And I think for for him, it would have just been a point of saying, okay, instead of that comedy bin at ten, let's just dial it back to six for a bit or seven sure. for a bit, and still have those comedic elements in there. But then once you once you are once you are established as a top guy, then you can start to turn the dial back the other way because people are a bit more accepting of it. And I'm not sure even you know when you talk about the the you know from the you know what's his best match point of view and things like that for someone like that i'm not even sure that like you know match quality even even matters when the personnel is so big and then you know in in this environment there where we're talking about baby them booking baby faces so badly there where you had that comedic baby face who was doing things organic and it's not coming from the writer's room of what they think a, a baby face is actually probably had more chance of being a sustainable top line baby face in this company than a lot of people who've been pushed down that direction in the past and then people getting like you you know you like you say there your, your diesel push for your for your drew mcintyre or when when it was finn balor and they were making him just come out and just do that stupid grin to the mm-hmm. crowd constantly to show that he was a baby face by smiling all the time and things like that you know i think i think he feels like he was a he was a better fit and then i think with his his wrestling style and credibility they could have had him in there squashing people as well and um the fire count know, stuff looking like yeah, like a big, massive, credible threat on on that side of things as well. You know, it, there's, there's there's a lot there to to play with, but yeah, I think it's uh, I think he can still you know do reasonably well, but I think the him as a top top line player, I think that 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 ship sailed. Like, mm, yeah, and that's it. You know, for me, like where, where I kind of fall on him is I would try it. You know, I don't say it's not there. It's more, like you say, more of my point is, you know, I've never seen it um, and I would like to see it um, from but from a promo and an and ring ring point of view. I think people talk about it like it's there, but it's as we sometimes question why we all believe that. And like you said, Gareth, adding the, the timeliness thing and the fact that we are finally getting to this, but it's but it's so late. If we are getting to this, you know, we could be one another one of those money in the bank winners where it goes nowhere. Um, and I just feel like there's a, a few things there. Uh, going against them there but uh, we should move on to the main event um, and talk that I mean I don't think we, we should have much to say about the match itself Roman and Edge as I mentioned I watched this live and it literally felt, <laughs> sent me to sleep uh, yeah, I rewatched it this morning and thought why did I bother you know what? sitting around for half an hour waiting for Seth Rollins to turn up is uh, is hardly my uh, my kind of match um, more again I think more, there's more talking points to come out of this uh, out of the post match I think they got they, they got away with a shitty finish um, in this, you know, quite a telegraph finish as well, because, well, 
big match John Cena came out afterwards and good lord did that man get a reaction um, you know the most <laughs> yeah, I've got to eat my words a little bit JP I've gone on record a few times of saying when mm-hmm. Roman and when Roman and Cena feuds Roman's going to be the face and Cena's going to be the heel watch my words and you know Roman is over with this heel, this heel character to what degree is, is definitely up for question you know and we're going to see that as, as live crowds come back but you know based on this night he was very over as a heel people wanted to boo him people enjoyed booing him and that actually led to, you know, people being, and also, you know, the fact that Cena's gone off and had this movie career and is, you know, an even bigger star than he was when he was last in WWE. I think people have maybe missed him a little bit. And yeah, one of the first times ever where, you know, there's a segment here with John Cena and Roman Reigns and the fans reacted accordingly, you know, there was no rebellion on, on either side. Um, and it was almost nice to see, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And I think that's, that is, that's a big match. Yeah. And yeah, uh, you know, it's a, it's a money match for the pay-per-view. I think it was a uh, good stuff to be honest. And uh, yeah, the best part of uh, of this to talk about, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, because that previous match was like fifteen minutes too long. Mm. Um, so mm. it was like kind of you'd imagine that crowd. You know, you're feeling quite drained. Although they responded quite a few points during it, but yeah, this this feels like a big match, and it also feels big the timing of it because Suicide Squad's out. I think a week on Friday. And yeah, he was in that. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a big role in that. He's got a HBO Max series coming out. Obviously, he's in Fast 9. Like, we're talking about someone who is very much now kind of ensconced, like, he's making good career moves. Like, the idea of him doing, like, a Marine sequel or stuff like that, we've kind of moved that well away from Cena. And what Cena's shown is that he's got good comedic chops and he is funny. Like, And I'll say the things like him appearing on, like, last week tonight with John Oliver and doing like kind of spoof kind of promo stuff. You go, this guy's got something like he genuinely has. Hmm. And so I think when he comes back, the idea is that people like him because generally overall, he proves himself to be a generally decent person, doesn't he? Hmm. And there's not really, if there was some bad shit on him, I'm sure you would have known about it now at this stage. That's the Taiwanese, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) very true. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this this podcast has been very pro Taiwanese independence. We've always been very clear on that. <laughs> <laughs> Even since the indie corner days. Um, unlike John, never has. Um, <laughs> and I know Gareth designed the app with that that always in mind of like you know I'm doing this for the Taiwanese people. Absolutely. So I don't know why I'm making complete light of that. <laughs> um, but I think I think the idea is is that he's not someone who's seen as uncool to kind of hardcore fans because I think he's done like a very good job of sort of putting himself generally in the overall popular culture anyway. Um, And loads of kids know him without knowing that because of that fucking song that he's there. And it's a big money match. I think they're going to release more seats. That's one of the other stories that I was kind of reading about where it's going to be them releasing seats at about like possibly a a few thousand. Then get away with that. And I think they'll shift. So, yeah, move away from Edge, who's proved to have no real impact on, like, drawing anything in this period. And get it on the Cena, who has always proven that he can draw. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I, I literally, I watched the end of this, like, I watched the last 10 seconds of the match, so I can't comment on the match. But to be honest... I don't want to comment on an Edge versus Roman Reigns match in 2021. Would it you know, shock you, Gareth, that they did a spear spot through a barricade? 
Um, that is, in fact, <laughs> they fucking how they many, talk to each other a good bit. That's quite innovative. God, how many of them must they have done over time? Like, I'd love someone to do accounts. Fucking God, for God's sake. Anyway, yeah, you missed nothing, mate. <laughs> did Braun Strowman just come back and go through one just for shits and giggles? <laughs> did, did, did the choo choo train like around the ring first? Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, um, but I, I thought, like, because I was confused because I literally watched those last 10 seconds. And then when Roman won, the pop was massive. Like, everyone was delighted that he won. And I was like, oh, is it, is it, the, is it the heel? I thought, I didn't, because um, I, 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 obviously I'm not watching the product. I was like, oh, was, it, was Edge the heel in this match or something like that? But then you then saw the um, reaction that um, Cena got off the back of it as well. And it just felt, I mean, it just felt like two proper stars, didn't it? It just, you know, how many times have we watched these pay-per-views and we just criticised their inability to to make stars or people not appearing on that level? But, you know, they'll talk the talk, these Seth Rollinses of the world and things like that who have it in their own heads that they're superstars and these fucking WWE robots will try and have you believe on, on Twitter that, you know, someone like that's a, up there with the biggest stars of all time. But then you see these two are there in the ring and then that reaction and you're like, no, here you go. These are two stars. These are two, you know, lads who are worth, um, you know, people are actually going to pay money to go to the building to see this this match. And how many WWE matches over the last five years have there been that you can, you know, you can lay down where you think these are a genuine draw. These are gen- This is genuinely a match that is going to, you know, cash is going to leave people's pockets to get into the building specifically for this match, not because it's SummerSlam or not because it's WrestleMania or not because WWE is in town in some fucking arse end city in the middle of nowhere or something like that. You know, this is this is old school two stars getting people, you know, dragged into the into the building. And as much as I, you know, dislike WWE. I'm fucking there for this. Like I'm, you know, I'm I'm all about fucking Cena Reigns. I can't wait for this match. I think it's going to be electric. Seeing the pair of them, you know, stood in the stood in the middle of the ring, um, you know, go go for this one. And yep, can't wait for it. Yeah, same. And I can't wait for the inevitable um, um, graph to point in a downward direction against once Cena fucks off back to Hollywood and they realise <laughs> oh, fuck, we've, we, we, we've done that moment momentary uh, bump. You know, we've managed to uh, just uh, kickstart the uh, ratings or kickstart the buy rates there for a short period of time. And what's going to happen on the back of it? The same as what always happens on the back of it. People are going to go, oh yeah, once uh, once these lads have gone. There's not much there, is there? No, oh, fuck it. I'll stop watching this. So we'll uh, we'll have things continue in the trajectory that they have done for the last uh, twenty years, and um, look forward to that um, that cross point with AEW. <laughs> yeah, things <laughs> are always correct, um, and we're all hoping for that moment. Um, but yeah, for now, you know, great segments, and yeah, a match we're all going to look forward to. Be interesting to see if the crowd holds, you know, uh, and continues to you know Chiasina, Boo Reigns, you know, it does stay that way um, going forward, but. Oh, sorry, JP. I was going to say, because it's a Vegas crowd and you're wondering about if it's going to be tourist Vegas crowds as well, which I imagine that's going to be the case. Um, I think they're going to be very pro Cena because they'll know who Cena is, like the most mm-hmm. casual of people who doesn't who, who doesn't know who's going along to watch that event. Well, so I, I think it'll be, I think that's, it'll be pretty much pro Cena for that. And as long as, if they could do one thing, if they could avoid this talking in the fucking ring business that was throughout the ends of this Edge Roman Reigns match, where they're just having a chin wag, really, aren't they? And they're pulling faces, and you're seeing stuff going. This is great storytelling. It's like <laughs> it's not great story. I mean, it's 
they're not going for some Brechtian let's break the fourth wall kind of thing here. It's just very much like they're te- they're just fucking slamming it over the head with a sledgehammer. Like this is this is what it means to me. Um, and and having Roman Reigns do the fucking talking stuff, it was like yep. uh, and, and Edge's facial reactions, and he looks more and more like Skeletal. <laughs> yeah. More and more. He's fucking. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just hearing you say sledgehammer there, and that just immediately makes me think of two things. <laughs> Old uh, Triple H is going to have heard those pops in the back and think, hmm, I can get myself involved in this and uh, get myself a big pop in the back of that. So watch for, watch for him trying to get himself involved on the on the back of this one um, in a little lead into WrestleMania. I'm or alternatively, Bring, bring back Bray with his uh, with his big uh, comedy sledgehammer um, that he uh, that he had as well. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if he, he interjects himself into this and takes Cena for a, another trip down a trip into his own brain or something like that. Oh, and we, uh, we don't get the match that we Do want. Part of the reason I thought this an easy watch. No fiend. It's amazing, isn't it? You take the fiend off these shows and you're just like, oh, thank God, I haven't had to see him. Like, I'm just make, imagining the, it a super cut now to JP doing the daily update tomorrow and Bray Wyatt returns on Raw. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I guarantee you in a few hours' time, yeah, it'll be like, oh, for fuck's sake. And now I'm going to have to read about it. And it'll be something like, I don't know, he's ejaculating fucking black cum or whatever it is. He's fucking weird <laughs> shit that he's doing nowadays. He needs this nonsense. Sorry, I don't know where oh, that came no, from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, but no, I was going to just one like, like quick last lows on the Roman stuff. I mean, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned there about like the slow talking in the matches and even the backstage stuff with the Usos. Now I know a, a few people and I, you know, made the mistake of thinking the fans were chanting boring during that towards Rowan's. They, they definitely weren't. It was like 10 people chanting for Corey Graves and that might be worse. You know, anyone chanting for Corey Graves is, uh, is not That's a strange. good sign for anyone for me, but that is, you know, I don't think that was happening, but I do still think they're probably going to have to change some things about this as much as, you know, I've enjoyed the isolation, some of these Roman performances and the, the melodrama with the Usos. I hope, you know, maybe we have been in a bit of a holding pattern as they wait for live crowds to come back. Um, you know, I think that that needs to, that storyline needs to pick up and I don't know if they're going to quite get away with a lot of like those backstage segments um, and, you know, a lot of like they say the slow talk and drama in matches and stuff. I wonder how stubborn they're going to be about uh, sticking with that stuff rather than and yeah, you know, trying to uh, go with the hot hand they've got, um, which is, you know, like Roman right now, it did feel like he was a, a very a top line um, performer um, last night. And it did feel like yeah, people were having a great time uh, booming him as he went. Um, but yeah, <laughs> as uh, Simon said in the chat there, Roman loves a good in-ring chatter. Those uh, actor glasses paid off in spades. Yeah, there is a, there is a lot of that. I'll just be interested to see how they, how they make that stuff bleed into a maybe a more, you know, proper live uh, presentation again. Um, Cena will know what to do. I think I could see Cena look kind of just knowing, like, say, look, you just don't need to talk to me all the fucking time. Or like, <laughs> let's just use facial expressions. Something crazy. Because <laughs> I fear if it's him in The Rock, it'll just be like just two oh, lads yeah. having a conversation and a match. Mm. Like at this point is is how that is. But on, I tell you what, if, if having him up against heel reigns up against Cena and then heel reigns up against The Rock. If that doesn't work to get him over as a superstar, I don't really know what will. Like <laughs> you kind of think, my God, like that's you've been given everything. There. Totally, totally. Um, is, yeah. it one and, is, it, is it is it one and done for Cena? Like, is it literally just yeah, he's got that match. 
he's all he's got other film and stuff he's doing isn't he jp i know we talked about it on one of the weekend shows like i think he's literally a gap in filming i think that's why they it's smart to be yeah. honest they've got him on raw and smackdown for the next few weeks and i don't always love when they do that but like get your get your bang for your buck while you've got him i think he's going to be gone you know literally a summer slam and done i think um yeah, yeah. Uh, he's going to be one a year mm. if you can get you and he'll always come back because he loves it mm. like that's the thing he even more than like a rock him. you know yeah really mm. does love it um and in fact, he's had to work hard for those fucking cheers, in fairness. He's had to put up with a lot of stuff in mm-hmm. his defence for it as well. But I think it was the HBO Max series, which is of his character from Suicide Squad, which if you think about it, that's the first sort of DC, well, outside of the Watchmen programme, but um, first like sort of DC property they've got on like HBO. You'd imagine that they're going to put a ton of resource into that. If that's something that connects as well, then, mm-hmm. you know off he goes yeah um i was gonna say i mean we've got two big other shows to uh, to talk about so we should move Ooh. on but very <laughs> very quickly <laughs> as jp's phone charges uh, very quickly like uh, did you have any notes on anything else that happened on the show jp obviously uh usos and mysterios was the pre-show match uh nikki ash the superhero won the uh the women's money in the bank and uh and aj and osmos beat the uh the viking raiders as we as we mentioned before um Maybe the women's uh, money in the bank. Anything to say about that? I thought it had a good finish. Um, I mean, uh, the cast of characters in there doesn't mm. fill me with uh, confidence for the WWE women's division um, outside of you know Becky and Charlotte. But um, I did think that uh, yeah, the the finish with uh, with Nikki uh, running up the ladder and uh, and grabbing the uh, the money in the bank briefcase while everyone else fought over it was creative and it was uh, it was decent enough. It kind of was what it was. Mm. for that I, I thought it was like standard ladder match fair compared to the other one the other one at least was spectacular this mm. one really didn't have it unless it's Naomi doing those kind of splits moves and everything else my god that crowd loves her mm. I have to admit she's completely like lost on me like she came around at a time when my interest in WWE was sort of like a lower web and it's, it's never kind of come back was she in the Funkadactyls if I remember right but anyway I yeah. digress o- overall I just kind of watched this and I was like yeah she did the climbing up over and the rest of it and that was fine but I mean ultimately I just didn't care I, I you know I think for Nikki Cross this character is good for her but ultimately it's it's just kind of really cheap WWE style comedy and ultimately it's never something I'm going to really kind of get behind but obviously they'll put the woman's title on her it's gotten her over temporarily hasn't it like to be fair to it you know it has worked and a lot of stuff doesn't get over Mm. and it might be the fact that it gets over that it's you know it's reacting to that younger audience it's clearly Mm. what it's going for but yeah I didn't think too much of that Um, and I thought the tag match kind of existed for Omos to kind of you know sort of Mm. showcase him and he did a bit more than what it was before. Um, Nash said on the Austin podcast that he's money him, so, you know, no higher endorsement than that. I mean, he started to show more sort of, like, expressions and stuff like that, and he looks like he's wearing sort of, like, wrestling gear. Mm. Um, That's the whole idea. You know, for AJ Styles, like, you do the work, mate, and let's hope he fucking, like, gets it over time. And I think the sooner that they're out and about working these working kind of regularly together a lot more in front of crowds, I think that's going to be a a lot better for him. Will he mean anything? Fuck knows at this point. I think for AJ, he's, you know, he's being very, very well paid. He's at the tail end of his career. This kind of, you know, ultimately his big project is get this monster over Mm. at some point and get him to kind of like, you know, be able to make sense in the ring. And if you can do that, that will be, 
you know, they'll be eternally grateful for it. Mm, indeed. Um, well, yeah, moving on uh, from WWE stuff to uh, to Impact. Um, the other big uh, pay-per-view of the, uh, of the weekend, Slammiversary on uh, Saturday, turned into a newsletter one, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll... We'll start at the uh, the top and then uh, get into the angle itself. But the uh, main event was uh, Sammy Callahan and uh, and Kenny Omega. Um, I mean, overall, it was a it was a, an enjoyable show. And you know, we talked about it on the weekend show, JP. But and, you know, there was nothing really on the show that we looked at and went, "Oh, that'll be a match of the night." There was nothing on there that looked uh, particularly exciting from an in ring point of view. And we'll we'll go through that uh, that undercard in a minute. Um, I think it's a show that benefited again from having a live crowd, even if a a relatively uh, smaller one um but yeah obviously the uh, the main story coming out of it is coming out of that main event and yeah de- genuinely interested in uh, what you you particularly thought about this main event jp and it being a uh, uh i was gonna say death match but no disqualification match with uh, with kenny omega and uh and sammy callahan seems to be uh doing quite well on the app as well uh gareth it's uh yeah you know one i imagine might be a bit device uh, divisive but uh, match I, I really enjoyed one thing you can say about uh kenny omega is when he uh when he gets in there with wrestlers like this or he does uh, you know the stuff he's done with Moxley over time. I feel like if anything, Kenny takes these matches more seriously than he even needs to. Um, you know, pointing particularly to the early Moxley match, that that first death match style match they did, where it was like, there's no reason for Kenny Omega to take in some of these bumps. He absolutely could get away with, you know, you know, not maybe not going full death match, but you know, in this one he was uh, willing to take uh, some big bumps. He was willing to juice a bit of a gusher, and you know, I probably rate Sammy Callahan higher than than a lot of people do, but I'd admit to, I think Kenny, you know, dragged him kicking and screaming to what was really about a, a four star odd match. Um, and yeah, a, a decent, uh, decent little scrap in the main event, and yeah, all in all, a kind of a, a match I think this show, this show needed. Um, and yeah, I think it uh, it delivered in spades. Really, um, I don't know if anyone's going to strongly disagree with me there. I don't think I'd strongly. T- I, I went three point seven five. I didn't mm-hmm. get a four on it um, because it's probably a bit too much for me. I mean, the 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 I, I know that it's a gimmicked pizza slicer, but <laughs> I don't. I, I feel very. Do you know that though? I'm still not sure. <laughs> well, Probably. Cut would be enormous, wouldn't it? It'd be like mass transit style. <laughs> um, but we we, did, we didn't get that. I, I like you. I just thought, like initially, I was like, "Oh my god, it feels like a half an hour match." Like, how good is this going to be? And I kind of went along with it. It had enough of that kind of enough of the gimmick stuff. And Kenny took enough of it for you to be kind of interested earlier on. And then obviously it was like Sammy Callahan was going to be taking a whole load of abuse later on. And it's, you know, these title defences have their kind of formula to them as well. I thought the brutality was enough that kind of made it stand out. Like you say, he, you know, Sammy Callahan in this kind of spot with someone like Kenny Omega, you're like, you're going to, you're going to get a decent match out of him. So like, mm. I, 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 I thought this was as good as that kind of match was going to be for me. The post-match stuff was weird because the feed cut off before the the kind of proper angle with Jay White was going to happen. But mm-hmm. um, and I'm now I'm completely confused as to what the direction will be. But do you know what? When you say like sort of newsworthy stuff happening, I mean you, that was kind of all over this this show. But yeah, that's I suppose yeah, Gareth. What did you make of the match itself? Well, I'm the little man. I went three and a half on on this for me. Like again, it fell into that. It was an entertaining enough match. It was, you know, for 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 what it was. A lot of it just wasn't my cup of tea. Like yeah, all the stuff, you know, the the fucking the fork and the pizza cutter and <laughs> and all that. You know, like like 
it is what it is, kind of, you know, sort of thing. It's never going to be something I'm going to be raving about and like well into or or, or, or anything like that, you know. If I, I think the I think the, the the thing for me that with this was I just never believed for a split second at any point that Kenny was losing, and I think that's always yeah. the that's always the issue for on 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 something like that. So I didn't I didn't bite on anything at all, and I, I was just kind of waiting for the inevitable to to happen when I was watching it, and I think that kind of like hindered me being able to get into the in, into the match in a bit more detail because it was you know you know swinging back to what I was talking about previously. They did get the kind of you know the dislike for each other across, obviously, kind of thing. They did, you know, get that, you know, you know that intensity came across well. And Sammy, Cal- I mean, Sammy Callan's obviously, you know, you know, good at, but um, you know, a lot of that was just done through the through the weapons and the viciousness of some of the the things as well. So it felt a little bit artificial in in, in certain ways as uh, as well. But you know, again, for me, it was one of those matches where I'd be saying to someone like, yeah, you know watch it you know it was it was enjoyable enough but you know I'm, I'm to be honest i'm surprised that it's like averaging out at like over four stars on the app it's like 4.16 on the app currently which does seem massively inflated to me yeah, I, saw, I, saw few, I saw a few fives uh going oh, in there and, even i'm not going that far you know some, some, some higher ratings but higher ratings going there but yeah i mean, I mean if it's it was what it was. It was it was entertaining enough, but it was all about the post match angle. Before, you know that was the thing before that we do get into that. I was just gonna say, like the match itself. Like I, I mean, I think I agree with you that like I don't think I believed that Sammy was gonna win, but also I kind of like cosmetically thought the near falls were well done. If that makes sense, like the, the way mm. they were kind of laid out and the way things escalated, Kenny's. I mean, it's the most obvious thing in the world to say, but Kenny's very good at that, you know, uh, building that up. And it's like, okay, now we're going to the V-triggers and the V-triggers aren't working. And then it's the V-triggers with the with the thumbtacks. And then we could all see where it was at ending, which was, you know, the one-winged angel um, onto the thumbtacks. But, you know, that kind of flipping of momentum where, you know, Sammy got a little bit of advantage. I think there was a big near fall with him with the, with the pile driver. I get, what, I get, I get where you're coming from because it, it feels a bit wrong for me to say, I thought they were good near falls, even if in my heart of hearts, like there wasn't the only person I know genuinely believed that Sammy was gonna win was Matty Edwards because I was watching it round it is and he was <laughs> he, he was genuinely convinced that Sammy was gonna be Kenny Omega. I was like, he's not gonna be Kenny Omega when Kenny Omega's building this big match with Hangman Page in AEW, but Matty believed, so at least there was one. <laughs> um, but you know, despite that, like I said, they still drew me in, but I get it because it's it's more my style of match um and you know i'm definitely not endorsing any of those uh five star ratings that are on the app i think that's uh that's a bit much uh bit much even for me but still you know what, enjoyable kenny match well i was gonna ask you both like what do, what do you think of what do you think of like this run this kenny the kenny being in impact and, and kenny coming out because to it's it's some of that i've struggled with when, when i like obviously there's there's been the empty arena stuff and then mm. like you've been seeing the really good stuff on on AEW recently and then just at the start of this match he comes out and it's in that it's in that skyway studio and there's 100 people there and is there with the impact belt and i just thought it just felt like it cheap it cheapened him a little bit it, it felt like he it dragged it dragged him down and it, it's somewhere i've probably been like just thinking about more and more with some of these impact appearances and some of these six-man tags and things like that i'm i'm 
I'm just not sure. And I, I, obviously, there's the whole belt collector gimmick and everything like that. But I'm not sure it's adding any prestige to to him. I don't like. I don't. I don't. I, I almost just feel like it's when I see him in this setting. It just feels like it's it's taken away. He almost feels a bit less special to see, to see yes. him in this environment. To me, I was quite interested just to see your thoughts on it. I think there's positives and negatives to it. I think that is a negative. You know, same. You know, we're going to talk about the Jay White stuff in a second. You know, just Jay White walking out in the impact zone was a bit like. Oh, why is this not happening on Dynamite? Uh, you know, the reason it's not happening on Dynamite, you put more thought to it, I suppose. You know, and that was my initial like emotional reaction. But then you think about it and go, well, actually, they really should be concentrating on the Hangman stuff right now on Dynamite. I almost feel like the imp- impact kind of exists as a, a playground for them to do all the stuff with Kenny. And it's not always been the way I would have done it, because I did think up until this Hangman feud started up again, you know, Kenny having big title defences wasn't really happening on Dynamite but you know it was almost like he had Impact and AAA to go off and do that in and I would probably have said Kenny was better presented in both of those places as an, as an actual world champion now things have changed in the last couple of weeks because you know clearly we were waiting for crowds to to do this Hangman story so you know it's fine but yeah it's, it's, it's a bit like they want the cake, cake and eat it too because they want to do the, the Hangman story based stuff on, on Dynamite but also continue to, you know, we've talked about, you know, Kenny, best wrestler in the world, style matches haven't really happened in in AEW. And I feel like they're going to be doing them, they're going to be using Impact, you know, specifically for this Jay Lethal match. Jay Lethal? Definitely not Jay Lethal, Jay White match. And, you know, using AAA to do the Andrade match. So I do kind of like that aspect of it, but, you know, I'm not going to pretend those negatives aren't there. I don't know about you, JP. Yeah, it's a funny one because I mean this this overall reign, I think I've go slightly up and down on it. And I always wonder like, am I being sort of like very fair weather with it? Like it kind of depends on how it's portrayed in that particular week. Mm-hmm. I think the issue is the storyline with Adam Page at least has a degree of depth to it. Like, and the stuff in impact is kind of very ethereal. Like he's kind of there. It'll be like these bulk tapings. They'll get a couple of bits out with him and they can't alter stuff or anything else. And I think they, they, you know, so generally he's there in such a kind of limited capacity. I think for them, they've made a lot worse decisions than putting their title on someone other than Kenny Omega for it. I think for Impact, like when it comes to the actual pay-per-view buy rate business that they've, they've done well out of it. It's difficult to see where it goes because I could see, say, for example, Andrade winning at Triple Mania. And I'd also say as well that the other big thing that like that you kind of want to see with the Kenny Omega matches is now we've got crowds. Now, like the next impact match, which I think is going to be their bound for glory, which is probably going to end up being the Jay White match, I wonder mm. if they end up doing that. That should be they should be going for an arena. They should be going for like a couple of thousand people at the very least for that i think that then adds a bit of stake to those title matches i think triple mania doesn't have fans because i'm not sure that it's it's particularly good situation in mexico it might be limited um but that'll be interesting because i think andrade might end up winning that title um i i I think it's difficult to see where this kind of goes and i think for impact it it just sort of serves a purpose them being this one-stop shop for wrestlers who can't get to japan or other places it's probably worked out a lot better for them because when you go down through a lot of the roster there's 
there's a few names who kind of stick out, but it at least gives them an injection of star power. I don't know if it necessarily cheapens Kenny because the stuff with Hangman Page is working so well. I just don't think that dynamite audience is as engaged in this belt collector stuff as as what perhaps Kenny is. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, obviously the, the you know the end game of this, as we both kind of mentioned, there is you know this Jay White stuff, and that was the big story coming out of this. And again, it felt odd happening in an impact setting like i say felt jay white coming out so i was like oh i wish i wish we'd have done this a month ago on AEW when uh when kenny didn't seem to have much to do um but it was certainly shocking you know the the bullet club music hit and my assumption was i was like oh, well it's el Fantasmo, you know and it's a troll job and it's something like that didn't expect in a million years watching this live for it to be jay white sauntering out um impact being impact or tna being tna Obviously, as you mentioned, JP, they uh, we get the uh, the big get the big stare down between uh, Jay and Kenny, and the the, the uh, Carl Anderson and, and Doc Gallows are, are throwing up the two sweet and the teasers whether Jay White's going to do it, and then a man in white appears to to rush the ring. Um, a weird you you said yeah, you on the on the daily update today, JP, blaming yeah. me saying I said that it was a fan. I don't know where you got that from. No, I didn't. You <laughs> <What>? did. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm sure you did. Okay. Let's just say it was you. Okay, I'll take All the blame. Right. <laughs> but it was like the whole thing, like never mind that was just weird because it was big on lies at the minute. Aren't they? <laughs> it was yeah, it was odd. But yeah, he came out and the crap and the the feed just cuts and it was like it felt like going back in time because I was sat there in Matthews with, with Gary and crew and we were all looking at our phones like refreshing, waiting for like. What happens? Like, is any news? Like, you know, and no one was tweeting about it, and nothing was hap- nothing was coming out. It was like, fuck, I'm gonna have to ring up, ring a hotline, and find out what happened after Nitro went off the air. That's that's what it felt like live in the moment. And obviously, Sean Rasslap was there front row. So five or ten minutes later, he clarified that it was a uh, Juice Robinson uh, and Dave Finley that had, that had run out to attack Jay White. But I mean, that was such a TNA moment. I've heard Meltzer. I feel like he's been worked, to be honest. Meltzer's saying that, no, it was always the plan. They were always going to fade to black in that moment. It's like, no, they fucking went. They were clearly going to fade to black either. They were going to fade to black after the attacker, I believe, you know, and then and then it was going to end. But the I, finale of the Sopranos. Honestly, yeah. Like, you know, the commentators were selling it like, you know, Nitro style, we're out of time, you know, that type of stuff. Maybe I might buy that, but they weren't. Like, it clearly it clearly went off the, the air early and they're trying to, trying to cover themselves and pretend it's like the, the Cena Roman thing where they literally did go off air, you know, as the two of them kind of faced off. There was clearly a, an extra angle planned afterwards and we've all seen the, you know, the fan footage of it now, like I say, uh, Finley, and uh, and Juice Robinson uh, attacked, and then Jay uh, Jay White uh, hit the uh, what's it called? Is it's finished the switchblade? Is it um, whatever it's yes. called? Um, and then hit that's yeah yeah yeah. And then uh, hit that, and then you know he, he kind of bails out and walks off. And um, a strange scene, but you know felt genuinely newsworthy, felt genuinely socket, and felt like a genuinely big moment. Just to your point before, Gareth, it happened in Impact, and that, that I still can't get over. Really, you know, compared to the other debuts that that were teased on the show, it happened. Fucking No Way Jose and the lads, like Drama King, being teased as uh, Aiden English being teased to turn up. I mean, you know the first standoff between Jay Lethal and Kenny Omega, Bullet Club leaders Jay taking White. place. Jay, I keep doing it, sorry. Jay, I'm JR, aren't I? I'm worse than JR. Um, Jay White. Um, she pulls him up on it. I know, I know. I know. Blame the top last stream. Stop tweeting when he put out the tweet advertising the show, just going, you need to sack Benno. Too just many Jays in wrestling. Wrong now. 
Too many J's in wrestling. I'll be a JR and I'll, I'll blame them. Um, but no, like that that big moment happening in a in an impact ring just kind of felt just strange compared to everything that had came before it, as as cool and, and newsworthy as it was. Yeah, I mean it, that that's it. It was like again, I I, I was watching this unspoiled and mm. I was just like, what <laughs> Jay White. Jay White's in the impact zone. Like, it just felt, it just felt in, like incredibly odd to sort of see him strolling down there, and then, <laughs> and then also just this whole idea that, like, um, obviously, like Kenny's not their property and Jay White's not their property, and it's like, okay, yeah, this feels like the biggest thing in you know their their, their company. It feels like a big deal seeing these two guys in the in the ring there together, but it just sort of. Well, it's a it, it's it's one of these weird things. Of of course, it's a positive for impact. Of course, Kenny Omega's a, a positive for impact. Of course, Jay White's a positive for impact. It's just the reverse reflection for me. That just seems a bit odd. Like you say, Benno, that these two facing off in this environment when really in front of a massive hot crowd, that moment would have been like mm. proper big mm. big news. And it was it was you know it was big big news over the weekend and once i got on twitter and saw like the reaction to it and the the dent it made it you know it felt like it was it was something that really was uh was that was out there and got a lot of people talking as well but it was just it was just almost like classic the way that it it ended with that fuck up with the <laughs> with the going off the air ah, thing it was them. just like it was like come on you've got like this is like how big is this how how prominent a moment is this is is this the biggest moment of your year possibly as a company to have this mm-hmm. this moment uh, moment of jay white coming out and you fuck it up like tna is going to tna yeah there were loads of technical issues throughout the night there were mm-hmm. points you could hear josh matthews producing the announcers you could hear him very subtly telling him what to say, and then you'd hear Matt Stryker or D'Lo Brown say it a few seconds later. So, in some ways, I'm not surprised. This is this is TNA. You know, let's, let's face it; they're TNA in their core. It's just a very weird, confused situation, though, isn't it? Because you've got their champion, who obviously is an AEW. You've got a whole load of New Japan, which is so odd when you think about how cold they were on Impact and how quickly that has turned. Because I suspect they're going to have the Juice Robinson, like maybe Juice Robinson or, or Finley versus um, Jay White at that um, resurgence mm-hmm. show, the pay-per-view they'll do for New Japan. Mm. So there's kind of links there. You've got the Good Brothers. I don't even know where they work. They're working for themselves, as far <laughs> as I can tell. But they're taking the independent contractor status to like kind of new levels. And good luck to them mm. for it. But they feel as much AEW as they do anything else. They just feel like they're suited in in that environment. You've got them obviously then against Finjuice, which is a match that's probably going to end up happening in Japan at some point, if not later on this year, then certainly um, at the start of 2022. So. Again, you've just got like the idea of impact itself. It's like, well, what is impact at this point? Is it really the kind of the X division is a closer depiction of what impact is with lots of various talent who could be used in better positions throughout the card? Hmm. But it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's impact. So it's a clusterfuck. <laughs> but I will say it adds an element of um, the unknown in a lot of these wrestling shows, which is what kind of AEW are doing as well. The thing that WWE can't really do, which is kind of really sort of put moments where you go like, what the fuck? 
So even when No Way Jose turned up, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> this is, is his name No Way now? Like, I'm yeah. t- like what? What's happening here? Like, um, yeah. I only we- got confirmation when I, when I put my rating into the Grapple app. And I was like, all <laughs> oh, right, he is going by that now, is he? Gareth got that right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's almost like, but I, I to, to to the wider points, you know, Bound for Glory's coming up, and you know, the early on the show they did the promo video where they were like featuring the stars of New Japan, AW, AAA. It's like, how did Impact get to the center? That would yeah. be interesting to know about that. <laughs> like, how did that get to the? How did they become the center of the universe? It's like, you know, why you know Kenny Omega and J, and, and Jay White? Why is that taking place here? It's almost like it's Villa Park, isn't it? It's like the neutral ground where where we're allowed to do this shit. Like, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really understand understand how like i think a lot of it's probably good brothers i think the good brothers being there has meant you know because rocky romero's got a lot of power like with the the u.s expansion of new japan maybe yeah and carlos too i think that's all of that's probably the explainer but it doesn't make it any less strange it's just yeah somehow they've 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 got themselves right in the middle of this and fucking... Remember when Ring of Honor and New Japan was the relationship? Jesus, if you, if you were Joe Coff, you'd be fuming, wouldn't you? Oh, I, I was thinking that, like, Ring of Honor sat back looking at all this, thinking, like, what the hell? Like, where, where's, where's our place in this? What have we what have we fucked up here? But, like, mm. I, I think you... I mean, you referencing it there, that Bound for Glory advert with the, you know, the uh, the AAA logo, the New Japan logo. I was thinking, what's this? Is Air Impact going to get this awesome main event here where it's going to be, like... Kenny versus Jay White versus Andrade versus Hangman Page, <laughs> and it's going to be like all of Kenny's belts are going to be on the line alongside Jay's uh, Never Open Weight title or something like that. It's going to be ultimate belt collector match, and somehow it happens in Impact, and something, something that's going to happen, happen like it'll be the best match ever, and then someone won't pay the lecky or something like that, and the lights will go out <laughs> in, the, in the middle of the main event. And then, Matt uh, Striker yeah. will forget there's a match on and just start talking about <laughs> bollocks. <laughs> oh, he was, he's fucking terrible, by the way. Oh my god, that like, he was he was he was just spouting some utter garbage during the show. Like, he just makes up facts. Oh yeah, only Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair were only pinned by these men, and like melts us immediately on Twitter. Go, nope, there's this person, that person, this person, and that person. Where the fuck did he get that from? Like he was spouting boxing facts off. Like I don't know anything about boxing, but Kirby was sat there going, nope, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's not true. He just says things with enough confidence that he gets away with them. Yeah. It's like, and you know, that's why he was perfect for slap fighting because he had to bullshit for three hours, and none of us could pick him up mm-hmm. on it because none of us knew anything about slap fighting. Like when it's wrestling, like. He just just embarrasses himself constantly. I can't stand that. Why is Jock Matthews not just in the booth? Never mind producing. I'd rather have that. I know. I tell you what, like, Don was Don was a breath of fresh air in the main oh, event. Good was he? Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> he <laughs> was awesome. Because mm-hmm. because I think that they even made the point on during the show on commentary that there was people talking on Twitter that they couldn't even like distinguish between Matt Striker and um, and um, oh. Dilo Brown. He doesn't sound. I forget it's Dilo all the time. Like, like when when they show the commentary team, I'm like, oh yeah, it's Dilo. Like he just he's kind of nondescript, isn't he, on commentary? but I think they just blend into each other like very Mm. strongly. There there is not nothing jumps out as you know different between them, and it does kind of like you know as annoying as striker is it does help in this way in that it just kind of makes you just tune them out to the background because they're both quite. 
I, I don't know. They're almost on the on the same level. Whereas when, in that main event, Callis coming through, Callis just seemed it, it was almost as if they'd like plucked Prime Bobby Heenan in there and <laughs> dropped him in there. You know, compared to what the other two were like, like Callis really, really was was great in that main event. And you just think like what a um, what what value that man's added as well in the last twelve months in in, in so oh. many different settings as well. And you just think of the the years, the years that he's been lost to wrestling essentially, and you know what he's what he's been able to achieve. You know since you know that New Japan commentary gig onwards. You know you know really is you know he's really cemented himself there because God there was there was years and years that he could have been used in some environment more prominently than he than he was. Definitely. No, it's just a good thing that he's back involved in wrestling, I think. Um, but uh, definitely. And he's a great pickup for AEW. Yeah. Oh, he's, like, he's we're going to talk about the fight of Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll he's fucking fantastic. And like I said, this New Japan stuff doesn't happen without him. Mm-hmm. So, like, the thing he's managed to do is he's the absolute kind of focal key point, point guy to go to. Mm-hmm. And he's getting lots of wrestlers' work at a time when they're not getting bookings at the minute as well, which in and of itself is like quite an achievement when you think mm-hmm. about it. Like I'm I'm I've always enjoyed Don Callis, even mm-hmm. even as the jackal, what can I say? And certainly <laughs> when he was in the ECW, because that was very much that kind of like timeline for me. When he was like the voice of the network and stuff like that, he's an absolute yeah. godsend. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, we'll come back round to. I'm sure we'll look round to uh, to Don Callis and, uh, and Kenny when we get to our, our next review. But just to clean up uh, some more on Slammiversary, then I mean, I ask you guys your, your highlights of the uh, the undercard. Uh, for me, um, maybe not even a highlight really, but probably the most notable thing I'd mentioned: Diana Parazzo and, and Thunder Rosa. Um, mm. You know. Great moment when Thunder Rosa came out. Another, you know, good surprise. You know, considering I think the surprises up until that point in the night have been uh, been pretty flat uh, and outright non-existent. But you know, I thought that was uh, that was cool to see her in in Impact um, answering the challenge. To be honest, though, better idea on paper than an execution. I just thought it was a match in the end. I kind of uh, soon as she came out, I was thinking, fuck, four stars might be the floor on this. We might get something, you know, crazy good. I'm a big fan of Diana Parazzo, and you know, Thunder Rosa's you know been on a hot streak. Uh, as of late but yeah I gave it 3.25 on grapple but I can't say there was too much notes about the match it didn't really feel like they got out of out of first gear on this one um don't know but whether you guys uh, enjoyed it any more than I did no I mean I, I was I was slightly lower and like to be honest this is a bit of like a dream match for me if, you, if you'd yeah. have asked me to put like two women's wrestlers together because I'm a big fan of Diana Bratto, big fan of Thunder Rosa. When Thunder Rosa came out, I was the same as you. I was just like, yes, this is going to be, this is going to be awesome. And then, and then, yeah, it was, it was, it was just a match. And maybe it was, I was thinking, oh, is it just because of my expectations here? But at the end of the day, it just felt a filler really. It was like a Mm. 10 minute match. Felt a bit clunky at first at the start. They, I don't know, they just didn't seem to, they were particularly smooth with each other in the first sort of two or three minutes. And then, and then the end, just as they were starting no to get way, into the group, the end just came, and I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking, oh, this could have done could easily done with another like, you know, eight if, if, if another eight minutes say on, on this match, and maybe you would have been like getting into that you know higher end of the the three star territory based on where they were at at that point. But um, you know, again, if we'd have um, if they had given them an eight, eight more minutes, would it would have missed the Jay White angle. In, uh, entirety at the end that have gone off the air before Jay even came out. So maybe it is better that we didn't get the uh, get the eight minutes added, added to this match. But this was definitely one where I felt like 
God, they've got a, a lot more um, in these two. So, you know, oh, hopefully yeah. that's something mm. further down the line. We might get like a 20-minute match. But obviously they had the whole Mickey James angle afterwards. So, you know, clearly they're going down the Mickey James, Diona Parazzo route at, at this stage. So, who knows? And Maybe WA, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I've completely forgot what that they're involved with. Speaking Sorry. of Thunder Rosa, yeah, no, uh, yeah, because they got that women's tournament, haven't they? Coming up, so maybe, maybe yeah. that's where she empower. Yeah, where that slaps in. Great name, um, Mickey Jane. But I'll, I'll go on about how fucking good looking Hook is or something when we get to AEW. But just so I can even things out, my God, does Mickey James look good for uh, an alleged old age of what forty one is she or something like that? Jesus, um, she Probably. she looks looked like a fucking star though coming out there and felt like a you know the hardcore country song and all of that like she you know she's got good history and and bad history i suppose in uh in impact that train tracks angle and all of that stuff too but did come across as like a big returning star and she know. was with C- she was cm punk's valet yeah she was days of, of uh yeah of, of tna mm-hmm. What she do in TNA as well? Didn't she do it in WWE yeah. too? I'm sure she did it for like dark stuff with yeah, uh, I, WWE. I think they pitched to have them together, yeah, and it, mm-hmm. and, and they never dealt with it for, for whatever reason. But yeah, she was mm-hmm. she was with them in TNA, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. That'd be She's nice for grab you, grab your trash bag and get out of airline as well. I always love it. Love it all like that. <laughs> yeah. anyway, one, one for the marks line. That <laughs> I, I would say with I would say with Diana Perazzo is the thing that we kind of forget. She's very young. I think she? she's only like 24, 25. Oh, I, I don't know think that. she's particularly old at all. So like at the same time, there's very much a learning on the job thing, which I think is where the clunkiness kind of came in this match. But I think there'd be more potential if they do another one. Mm-hmm. It depends yeah. who they bring in for this Empower show, if it gets any traction at all, if they can get her into AEW at some point, because... You know, let's face it, the doors are open to anywhere. It just makes you think NWA is like, they've also got access to some good talent around the place. Not like they ever want to use it on any of their coat. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. They've got all of this good access. And we were predicting on the weekend show would it be someone like Serena Deeb. And I think we were pretty close then in the end when it was Thunder Rosa because I kind of thought, that really does make sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else then stood out for you guys uh, from the Sunday car? What else do you want to talk about? I really enjoyed the X Division match. Yeah. I thought I thought it was car crash entertainment. But do you know what I will say? Compared to, I suppose, in a way, like the Money in the Bank match, I've seen a lot of Ultimate X's. This had some really creative stuff. Like and some good throwbacks as well. Shit. Some references yeah. to like previous X Division. Even it wasn't the finish, like one of the early Ultimate X finishes. I'm sure I saw that. You know, where they're the springboard the track. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the springboard finish and grabbing the, uh, grabbing the belt yeah. uh, while other people are fighting up there. I'm sure AJ did that in like the third or fourth one or something like that. There was, there was good little references there. No, I, I thought it was quite a, a creative one. That, um, that ankle lock Jack Alexander did, like hanging off the, uh, the cables. That was fucking great. That was a great spot. When they're all in the submission spot. Yeah, oh, I love him. I, so great. Oh, I like no, I like Josh doing that. Where I agree with you, where I agree with you, JP. But where I agree with you, Gareth, is he didn't need all the lads doing like the headlock, you know, human caterpillar thing. Like take the human caterpillar element out of it. I love that spot. Human centipede, mate. Human centipede, yeah. <laughs> that brilliant film franchise. I, I just thought it was so contrived. It was like he was waiting there for this leg to appear so that he could do it. I was just like, oh, this, this is all too contrived. That, that really, I don't I, I was 
but that took me out of it. <laughs> like it, it, it oh, I, I, I much lower. Than, I, I only give I only give this a three star um, overall. But yeah, and that was one of the reasons that really like that, that wound <laughs> me up. That, that took me out of it. <laughs> oh, I thought I felt bad for Josh when he was like hanging from it and um, he got it in the head by that chair like twice. Like I can't remember who was swinging it. Like was it Rohit? Like fucking right, took, Roger. It took his face off. Like no wonder. Like yeah. it felt like. Unlike him, Josh Alexander fluffed a couple of things in this match, and I was like, no wonder he's probably walking around with a fucking concussion after that. Uh, like that that spot as well, where the like the um the the Tower of Doom power bomb as well, like almost mm-hmm. drops someone on the red. But I don't know, the added elements of danger. I think I'm with you, JP. I think I kind of enjoyed it more because of that. Yeah, I went, I went 3.75 for this. Um, I kind of yeah, it just again. I t- the person I kind of did like in this, and there's a lot of people in this match who I like who overall while I enjoyed the match and I was predisposed because I had a few drinks we just recorded and it kind of kick-started not long after that. So it was like, mm-hmm. oh, right, this is kind of like, I'm in the mood for watching some something like this. Um, and you want to sp- you want to see Josh Alexander in a singles match. You want to see Ace Austin in a singles match. You want to see Chris Bay in a singles match. You want to see them in prominent positions in the card. Josh like, should have dropped the belt. Like, I was mate, shocked that's, he walked that's, out with it. I, I, that's Doesn't what I belong in this division. Nope. He doesn't. Um, and, you know, it, it's really funny because someone like Rohit Raju winning, who I actually thought did a really good job in this match of just being the kind of sensible one who's not taking the kind of really big, crazy bumps, but was always in the right place at the right time for the kind of little heelish stuff. And I kind of enjoyed that. And I, I think he's kind of been one of the more quietly enjoyable bits of impact over the last, pretty much throughout the sort of pandemic period. Like, I think he's sort of, found himself a little bit more like i say even a trey miguel who they're clearly positioning as someone they want that they think is going to be like kind of a big star in the future for them and you know putting them in this they always do this when it comes to pay-per-views they never realize that why don't you showcase these guys in good matches you put josh alexander versus ace austin on then they're going to have a really good match and that's what people are going to come away remembering i enjoyed the car crash element of it but ultimately he's probably going to end up bleeding into the same as all of these matches do, don't they? Mm. And it was fun seeing the announcers making a really big point of, and they've got to reach their feet, they've got to get to their feet, they've got to get to their feet. And then Alexander takes off the X while he's still up there and they're like, oh, we've just been informed that it's the other thing that's bollocks. I personally enjoyed. And I thought it was one of the things, like, and, and maybe that added on 0.25. Man. I don't I'll right. tell you one other thing though that did take away from this match not to get too I don't want to get too negative on it because there were elements of this that I really did like but fuck me the camera work was awful on this I don't know who oh, the, the, the handheld cameraman on the outside I, I think he was absolutely shit faced because he, uh, he was making me feel seasick with him he couldn't fucking he couldn't stand still every time it went to him he was waving everywhere but there was like a big slide DDT to the outside that he completely missed there was there was a you know there was a moonsault to the outside side by Ace Austin that was completely missed as well and I was thinking like fucking hell what's going on here maybe it's not his fault maybe it's the like director or or, or, or you know whatever um, t- you know time and things from that point of view but the camera work in this match was shocking there was there was multiple things there that, that, that got got missed but from a, a positive standpoint I'm with you like JP when I look at 
every time I see Josh Alexander, Ace Austin, and Chris Bay in any combination for from an X division um, standpoint, it's like you've got three proper stars here that work off each other very, very well. They all add something very different, and it almost feels like where we're talking about getting nostalgic about, you know the wrestling channel episode we're going to do talking about old TNA and stuff like that. It almost feels like you could have that like dynamic of, you know, Joe styles, Daniels and things like that, that you've got three guys there that you can build a division about and who are actually like TNA contracted wrestlers there that can become like a core part of your, the reason to, to watch your product outside of your Omegas and your Jay whites and your good brothers and things like that, that they, they probably should have been doing a better job of of making more with because was it last was it Slammiversary last year where I think they put the belt on Chris Bay and then he fucking lost it about you know to a TV taping later or something and he mm. just sort of seemed to vanish in the in the background but like you look at some of the best spots in this match where I think there was that Bay cutter on Austin from from the uh, top rope where he was hanging off the the X rope that was an amazing spot and you know you know I think obviously the the finish that you talked about there there was the you know while pretty contrived as well you know there was the canadian destroyer um, on bay from alexander's shoulders and things like that i think i think all of the best stuff that happened in this match involved those three people in some combination of shit that was that was happening there and yeah i just think they need to i I don't know if it's they haven't got the confidence in them or something like that but they they just need to make them much more of a focal focal point and probably just you know push them and run with them a bit harder and, and i was the same as you ben i was very very surprised that alexander walked away from this with the with the belt i, I thought he's, he, he seems prime now to to lose a lose the belt in that kind of scenario and then you just push it you put him on this almost like path of terror that he just <laughs> he just beats everybody on the card to you know That's towards okay. the top and create your own main event he, he really seems primed for it because he's delivers he every time doesn't he mm. yeah. he doesn't get pinned it's the easiest way to take the belt off him and put it onto someone else and just think he doesn't need it yeah, yeah. and you can build to a a, a, eventually a pay-per-view match with Kenny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're going to do that, if you're going to have like a TNA guy to do it, and like I said, I think on the weekend show, you, like, you built that, you have that match in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's the kind of, the, I, I'm only reckon in front of a couple of, th- a couple of thousand, but I think you'd kind of get it. I think it'd be a, interesting enough that it's, just, it's, and that's my overall thought is just like, you know, do we need W Morrissey? to be out there for as oh, long as he is. That was what I was like, going to say. Like, I mean, obviously yeah. we're going to have to move on because we've got less than an hour and two shows to talk Sorry. about. But like, I was just going to say like briefly, like Murderers Row did the rest of this undercard as far as interesting things to talk about of like No Way Jose, Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, Madman Fulton, W. Morrissey. Talk about a list of lads who like should absolutely just retire the day WWE sacked them. Like, uh, I can't, like that, that's all I felt like through a lot of these matches. Like I don't need to see any give you. I don't need to see a, a blue feud between fucking Zack Ryder and the other one like I just like who could possibly be invented oh Christ yeah the major brothers collide yeah it's uh, just unneeded for me and that's the negative I think of uh, of impact I will say W Morrissey looked uh, alright in that Eddie Edwards match uh, you know it, it, 
he's not. Eddie he's Edwards not. did a great job with him. Yeah, and I think Toby Morris, he's okay. Like, he's okay. I don't know if he's, he's worth a go, really. I mean, are you ever going to make money with him? I'm not sure. But, you know, it's not like he's been bad in, you know, the few matches I've seen him in. So at least there's there's that, like, uh, minor positive and Moose Chris Sabin was all right. I think they were fighting over a mortgage or something. I don't really understand quite what that, what that feud was, but... Um, I don't know. <laughs> Moose's promo made no sense whatsoever to me, but uh, that was also on this show. Um, but yeah, Murder's Row of XWB guys and, you know, sub three star matches for me. I don't know if you guys have got major thoughts on any of that stuff. I think the thing that, like, as you talk about some of those different things, one of the things that jumped out for me was like when No, no Way Jose came out. He looked like a fucking giant. And then you seen him, like, stood there next to, like, Gallows and you seen him next to um, Joe Doring. And I was thinking, He's as big, if not bigger than these, and he's like thicker than these. What is he doing pissing about with this fucking character? Because that character, that gimmick is going nowhere. You've got a ceiling of like lower mid card with that. Actually, this the size that, that he has, like someone needs to have a word in that fella's ear and you know, yeah. say, change change it up, mate. You could be you, you could be serious and you could look like a fucking killer amongst all these midgets, you know, you know, but no, he's quite happy to, you know, clearly uh, clearly live off his massive NXT run and um <laughs> you know, keep the uh, no way Jose gimmick alive because like he you know, look at the size on him there. It was like, yeah, in the wrong game here, mate. Mm. And and that's the hope. I mean like the hope I would have is that the set of TV tapings, like you think he turns heel, he says, I'm not doing this gimmick anymore. I'm not coming in here to do this. And you've got like your perfect kind of inspiration then at that point to do it. And then you've got an entirely new cat. I mean, but I, I felt kind of dispirited because he was one of the people when he was released, obviously at the very beginning of the pandemic and that first wave of WWE cuts. And I can remember like the idea of him saying like, you know, yeah, just turn up to raw and, that was, you know, I didn't realize it was the last time I'd ever be there. And you see, so kind of like, kind of wishing him well. He looks like one of the guys who wants to improve and get better. You want to believe them when they come out with this, if doing the same sort of gimmick, calling him just no way. I was like, oh, for fuck's sakes. So, yeah. And that's, and that whole tag match was kind of. Oh, I like the entrance was about half an front. hour. I was like, "Fucking, can we just get on with it? Like, I don't need this match in my life." Like, yeah, 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 yeah. a lot of it, unnecessary just, stuff. And that's like a lot of the undercard was just sort of for me hovering around, sort of between, I think between two and a half and three stars. It was kind mm, of yeah. all very nondescript. If you'd cut out Chris Sabin versus Moose, would you really have lost anything? I think that was the point. I fell asleep. <laughs> um, it, and that's and that's still kind of part of the issue is they've got a lot of interesting parts to play with, but they're not quite getting it right. Mm-hmm. And if they do get it right, they could really turn things around. Like, I, I honestly believe that. Like, they've got talent there to have really good matches. And yet they don't all, they don't have a really good match each month. They've got a decent women's division but it always kind of feels like it's generally underutilized. They're always going to go back to fucking Rosemary or Sue Young or whoever. And it's like, they still ponder around that X division. They have good, interesting stars, but their immediate thing is like, well, let's put them in a in an X division cluster match. And it's like, no, it's like, you've got interesting parts here that you can do really interesting things with, and you're not doing it again. And I think that's kind of why the Kenny stuff doesn't quite connect in terms of impact bar that kind of early sort of very high ratings and real interest to the point now where it's like, Oh yeah, Kenny Omega is kind of just on impact. 
Mm. And I think I think they need to be careful as well because there is a there you know while they're getting this short term bump, there is that danger that from a long term point of view they're making everybody else appear to be less than. So like you've got like Kenny and Sammy Callahan there, and then it's Jay White comes out, and that feels big, feels much bigger. Obviously, you know Kenny and and Jay White. You look at the you know the the women's title match, obviously. You know, it's Thunder Rosa who's who's in there in that match from somewhere else. Then it's Mickey James coming in from somewhere else, and it's actually you know it's it's people from outside that are getting put into those prominent positions. You know, they they put the belts on Gallows and Anderson again. You know, um, at the at, at the at the end of end of that match. You know, so again, it's a, it's another outsider there with the title. You look, they put that one minute squash match where fucking Finn Juice came in and. You know, battered um, Shearer and the fucking Poundland Lance Archer, and they like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's two of their lads that have just been destroyed in in in, in, a, in, a, in a minute as well. And so, you know, suddenly you look through and you think, actually, there's there's a whole lot of this that is the top end part of this card for impact that's not impact, <laughs> and and that's that that. So where they could find themselves in a sticky situation in 12 months down the line where Kenny does move on and then Japan's open and the Good Brothers do move on and things like that. And then suddenly you're left with what you have got to play with. You haven't, you've made it appear of a lesser, lesser standard. And suddenly that becomes the way that the whole product's seen as well. So I think they just need to tread carefully here and, Start to maybe just just focus a bit more on some of the uh, the guys that they do have and and they are going to have for for the next twelve months. Mm. That's it. I think that the thing about impact is you know you, you go okay what a what a impact gaining from you know pouring their title out to an AEW wrestler. Well, right now they're gaining Kenny Omega and Jay White doing their angle on their show, you know, and it's way better than anything Impact can offer right now. But Increased one day, they're going to leave. <laughs> you know, one day, you're still going to have to start running your own wrestling company again, and that's where, yeah, you want to see them get behind the likes of Jossica Alexander, and you want to, you know, the rest of the TV to be to be must-watch week to week. But, yeah, obviously for the time being, they're going to they're gonna coast on that stuff. And, yeah, uh, obviously with the, the way Bound for Glory looks like it's shaping up, it's uh, very much going to be some kind of super show. Uh, impact, the centre of the wrestling universe. Uh, who knew? Um, or apparently that's where we are. JP knew. Um, you it's going to be like the Big back. Egg Wrestling Festival, mate. It's going to be like 13 <laughs> shows from like five different promotions from all around the world. <laughs> That's good. Cool. Get a Nick Aldis, um, Trevor Murdoch title match chucked in there or something like that. It's going to be wild. Uh, Come on. The 2021 Enjoy version of all Enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's just well, gonna be like shit all out isn't it <laughs> well speaking of that super show one of the promotions involved and we touched on it uh, on kenny and uh earlier on before and, uh, and don Callis. we should talk uh some AEW because there is the small matter uh also it doesn't feel like it was this week but it was also this week possibly one of the best tv shows uh of the year um that AEW gave us a, a tv show that uh, eclipsed the uh, the million viewers marked it crazy good numbers in the demo despite the fact it was up there against the you know the the, the nva and it's you know again feels like you know, it, it's a good news uh, month as we talked about jp on the weekend show with uh, with ticket sales looking great for aw's new york show coming up and tell you what if you're gonna have a million plus people watching your tv show this is the tv show you want them to watch um i think the the two obvious highlights we should uh we should talk, talk about at the top are one uh the kenny omega and hangman page angle which again absolute fucking molten like as far as angles go just absolute fire felt like just perfect um as far as wrestling tv goes and i felt like they had a a, a main event as well that was you know 
again perfect as far as like what you want people to see a, a young star like like Darby Allen going out there and uh, and killing himself uh, out there against his uh, as often opponent Ethan Page who never quite looks as good as he does when he's on the opposite side of a ring to Darby Allen but it's definitely uh, feels like he's uh, he's on track um, in AW finally um, with having that uh, that Darby Darby Allen uh, program these last few weeks but yeah. Uh, one of the best matches on TV in a while, one of the best angles on TV in a while, and I don't know, I guess you guys would agree, one of the uh, the best AEW TV shows we've, uh, we've had this year. I think this is possibly the best structured piece of television um, I've seen, wrestling television I've seen in quite some time. Mm. Just the sheer amount of momentum, and I said on the weekend show, I managed to watch this live. I've re-watched it as well in that time. Like, it's amazing. Sometimes I find myself getting right up to a kind of deadline before recording, trying to get stuff in. This <laughs> show I was happy to watch twice because it just was just like, oh my God, it was like, like exciting wrestling television mm. where there was an element of unpredictability mm. and the stuff they did, they did incredibly well. So like, it, it, it just, if you, like just the sheer kind of like momentum. So you had like this IWGP US title match, then, which was a good match. Like and Moxley's entrance is the way to start a show. If you're not doing a Bucks match, do a Moxley entrance. It's just like it's good booking just to have that starting off because it just got people kind of into it. Then you get Lance Archer's immediate kind of challenge, and which makes sense. Then you get to the Ricky Starks FTW title win. Then you get to Cody. Then you get to Hangman Page. Um, you know, I, I, just that trend up to that point was just like my God. Like and each of these bits are just fucking hitting mm. it's all hitting and that crowd was great mm. so yeah um of the two bits you mentioned like they're both brilliant um but my god just like what a well laid out piece of television just the way of just having kind of you're speaking your promo segments are there and they're logical and they make sense but yeah i fucking love this show yeah it was it was great stuff and i think it was um it sort of indicated a, a little bit of almost of a like a return to normality. I think one of the things that I've been critical on here in, in you know recent weeks is with that Friday and the, the Saturday shows was they were almost just like throwing too much at it, and it was as they were in this almost like holding pattern and knowing that um, you know ratings were going to be lower, and it was it became a bit blinding at points, kind of thing that there was so much going on that it was difficult to absorb and take things in and it did feel a bit more sort of, I don't know, stuff just thrown at a wall kind of thing and just try and get a, as many faces out there on TV and see what sticks without having anything of massive, you know, consequence. Whereas this show from start to finish, pretty much every feature that was on there felt like it had an element of consequence to it and things stuck, whether it was a promo, whether it was an, an in-ring match, whether it was a big angle, you know, just just literally from from start to finish, there was just key things happening throughout the show. And I'm, I'm with you too. I mean, there hasn't been many better TV wrestling shows than this one in the, in the last decade, in the last twenty years. Like God, you go, you know, you know, you're going back a long way to 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 think of this. And then I, I think the the variety of of things as well in that um, just not only the difference in presentation of some of the angles or some of the interviews, just the the, the variety in in-ring work as well and the, the matches being very different and feeling very different and standing out from, from 
one another as well and not just feeling like you've just got this wallpaper of tv wrestling going on you know you know again if you if you look at something from the the moxley match through to the ricky starks match yeah you know through to obviously the 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 main event you know as probably the three headline matches on the show all very important but all very different and all very good in their in in, in their own way as, as as well and yeah lovely stuff just to mm-hmm. uh, keep this going and those uh those million ratings will, will stand and it's it's great that this quality of TV show was seen by that many people as well, because I think this is one of the things where in the past, some of their better rated shows, we've kind of gone, yeah, it was all right kind of thing, but it's a shame that they didn't have a better show for this audience kind of thing. And then sometimes it's been the reverse where some of the better shows have actually fallen into the lower ratings and it's been a bit disappointing. I don't see how as a wrestling fan, you could watch this show last week and not want to be watching next week like at, at, at the expense of anything else because you know if if, if anything it, it's a show like this that should be holding and then growing the audience because you're going to be you're going to have people saying you should be watching this next week and you know watch it live because it was it was that hot so hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully they deliver this week Definitely, definitely, and yeah, to zone in on you know, like I say, main event, Darby Allen, Ethan, Ethan Page, like you watch that, like Darby Allen comes across oh. like one of the biggest stars in the world, uh, and I'm going to say the same thing about Hangman Page. Let me talk a bit more about that angle in a second, but it was just perfect. It was just it, you know, these two are you know, Ethan Page fucking loves going out there and trying to kill Darby Allen. He's done it in in front of nobody in Evolve uh, a number of times, and you know, people like us have seen it, but like to get those two lads doing this match in front of a million people is like tell that to you know me and you jp watching those wwn weekends over wrestlemania weekend a few years ago like that doesn't oh sound God. like a, like the real world when they're, they're doing this in front of you know a couple under that most um and often at times less than that um but yeah thought it was a utterly perfect bit of work you know it was brutal in the, in the places it needed to be uh ethan page like i say is coming across like Ethan Page finally um, in this company and like say his first couple of weeks of presentation for me couldn't have been worse uh, he didn't just didn't seem himself um, but this program has brought him into himself and you know yeah Darby Allen is an absolute superstar and thought the finish with this was just brilliant as well um, but one I love you know Darby Allen being big match Darby and getting these big main events on these these big dynamites and you know Darby maybe early on lost a little bit too much in AEW for me because it, it kind of felt like well he's the type of character who can lose and I think sometimes when that happens you can get you know like it happened with Daniel Bryan you can get that around your neck and you know it becomes an easy out for the bookers a lot of the time and you could absolutely imagine an Ethan Page winning here but I think they recognise what they've they've got in Darby Allen you know in putting him over in a brutal match like this and you know giving him that moment at the end of it after as well after the bell with you know that fucking nutty carbon drop through the oh through the coffin itself uh with poor ethan page that you could literally it was it was almost made better for the fact that you could see ethan page like crawled up in a ball on one of the shots inside the coffin like i know that was giving her giving her away a little bit that he was hiding in the corner but it didn't make it look any safer it may be it may be even more thing fucking hell ethan page is brave for uh agreeing for this i know i know darby allen doesn't weigh 300 pound but still you know that's a that's a lot of bo- you know that's a body human body coming flying at you through some through some war than him felt like one of those moments that you know one it sent the, fa- the fans home happy and two it's one of those moments they're going to be able to replay for for years and years in in packages uh, as uh, as as darby allen's uh, star will no doubt continue to rise 
I think that's half the point of the match, isn't it? Is is to get those kind of highlight moments, like the ego's edge onto the onto the steps in mm. the ring, which yes. it makes a great sound. I know it's hollow and the rest of it, but like it still is as a visual, it just looks great and it adds to the kind of Darby Allen mystique. Um, yeah, I, they both are elevated from this, like that's which is ultimately the point of it, and the fact that you're getting like a match with Derby Allen is something that's going to get you over. But it's mm. like, that's a hell of an achievement. Um, it just really kind of comes into the question of which point do you start? When do you start thinking main event programs? Like, mm. like how much, like to really test of how much of a draw he is. And the rating thing, we talked about the fluctuation of, of that as well, but this, yeah, it was just a fantastic, like, steal a phrase from you. It was a fantastic piece of business. Everyone gets out of it. They get some great highlight moments. Even Ethan Page, bless him, sat there in the dark, knowing that at any moment some bloke's going to come through, not quite sure of the angle he's going to be coming through out here, and that there's going to be bits of wood flying about. Like, I'd be curled up in a ball in the corner as well. I'm just surprised he didn't have his face to the side there, Mm. so he was entirely turned away from it. That would have been... But that really would have been the magician showing their hands uh, (laughs) at at that point. But, (coughs) yeah, (coughs) a really good main event, and, yeah... And it likes they're building stars and they build baby faces, which is the thing that WWE just cannot do. And different kinds of baby faces as well, because like one of the things here is is as well like the, with the character Darby is like at the end of that match there, like the aggression and hatred and things like that that came through, and then you've got that bit where you know just prior to the finish, Darby's gouging Ethan's eyes and he's biting his face and thinking, mm-hmm. and it's like this is this is one of your top baby faces, and he's he's trying to gouge a man's eyeballs out and bite his cheek off, kind of thing, and you're just like, and you're fucking right behind him all the <laughs> way with it, you know, and, and and again, and it adds like you say, it adds Ethan Ethan Page comes out of it it's strong as well because you want him, you, you know, you want this cunt to have his face fucking bitten and you want his eyes gouged out because of the character that that he is, and and that's a plus for for Ethan Page as uh, as well, and yeah, cut, you know, like you say, put these two together and they just uh, work off each other. You know, fan, fantastic! It's it, it's electric, and yeah, God, what a what a main event just to top off uh, top off that great show. Definitely, um, and yeah, like I say, the other big bit of business again was the uh, again the best angle in wrestling right now, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Like, fuck me, was this like I said at the top, just perfect from start to finish. Like, just so well put together. You know, even you know you get the douchebag Kenny and Matt Jackson and the like. You know, on the mic, you know, teasing Hangman and Hangman's you know in the ring, backed up by Dark Order and very much into the Dark Order now. Like, I love that. Like, there were a couple of lines he dropped in. You know, basically you know saying we and you know talking about like the Dark Order as a whole and how you know they they fight together and all of that stuff thought that was a, a great moment for for the hangman page character um and yeah it just it felt like a hot angle in a hot wrestling promotion with that crowd out there with them it just felt like it was it was important and it felt like you know similar to what we said about derby you know there's another like to your point gareth another different type of baby face but my god what a hot baby face hangman page is at the moment just absolutely 
wonderful stuff and yeah you know i'm bang into that idea of doing the uh you know the, doing the multi-man match between the the elite and the dark order i hope you know the plan is that you know at some point kenny walks out and we don't get i don't want to see hangman and kenny get physical at all they've done a good job of walking that line so far i want them to stay as far away from each other as they can in that match but what a great little match you can use to uh to headline a dynamite coming up and again what a what a great little angle i had there tonight on that night yeah, and, and, and like one of the notes I've written here because I mean you emphasised it so strongly last week or the week before, Benno was them was them not touching, and again with them getting so close and not touching now, and then the mechanic of the five man meaning that there's 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 they can get out of it again with this still not happening, and again it's just it just boils down to just that classic old school. This is the way you used to book matches to just you know, get people into the building, um, get, mm-hmm. you, you know, in a very traditional way. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's applying that principle and, um, yeah, what I, you know, like you say, what a, what a hot overall segment, everything about it worked, you know, everybody who was involved with any particular part, I thought Matt Jackson was brilliant. I thought just as the, as the setup man at the, at the, at the start with him being in hangman's face and things, think I thought he did a cracking job as well. And just, you know, just just brilliant. It just came. I mean, how could anybody watch that and not come away from it just thinking, "My God, I cannot wait for Hangman to take on Kenny Omega here." If you if you're a wrestling fan and then and you're not feeling like that after an angle like that, then yeah, fucking hell, pick another <laughs> form of entertainment to follow because that that's as good as it gets for me, or, or as good as it gets in the modern era, certainly. Mm. My only, and this is, I don't want to be like the kind of cynic in all of this, is that we've we've still got a lot of TV to go if they're doing this at All Out, which is mm. exactly the place where they should be doing this. This is oh, paper. Yeah, I'm sure. Mate. Like, I, I, I really hope so, because potentially if you're looking at this, what this All Out card could be, you're just thinking, my God, every match will mean something. We'll Do you have any doubt about that, JP? Because you've mentioned it a couple of times, like the I idea that this... I, I don't see any well where this doesn't take place in All Out. I... I don't know. I just have a feeling that when TV is your master, that mm. there is that element of doing something like fight for the fall and then doing some sort of relatively screwy thing. And the only precedent for that is they did obviously Moxie Kenny on TV and then did it at the pay-per-view then afterwards. I kind of don't want that. I want this as a pure wrestling build. I don't want them to touch. I want them to find Kenny finding chicken shit ways, like kind of like a way of avoiding him in all of this. Mm. You know, there's loads of really good directions you can go in for TV, like Hangman having second doubts, but the Dark Order there to kind of help back him up and stuff like that. There's even the the plight of, and I hope it's Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, because I think Evil Uno's deserved it. And Mm. I think that with unbelievably a Dark Order that's over, I think that could be a great tag, because how many times have them and the Bucks worked together? Mm. over the years as True. well they're like you know it's and i think there's some really yeah i want to see that at the pay-per-view because if you've got santana and ortiz versus ftr as another standalone tag feud go great you're setting up your next contenders then and mm. you can even have your feel-good moment with the dark order i just I, all right my fear is is that kenny gets his fucking hands into it because we've <laughs> seen stuff like this happening before and someone just needs to go no it's not me this once. is working well leave it alone <laughs> And it's also the fact that here he was such a great heel. 
<laughs> he was such a fucking great Bell heel collector. On, the, on the blog collector. Even I laughed at that. Oh, I laughed at that. But then <laughs> he but laughed the at that. Of like, he is loving. Like you can see his reactions to when they're booing him as a result of them loving Paige. And you can tell how much he loves that. He's like going, "Oh, thank God, this isn't a crowd that's thinking, oh, this is Kenny Omega, who's really great and entertaining, and we're going to no, kind of boo him." They're completely invested in this. And it's yeah. just like, no, you're the dick who's going to ruin the, the kind of really feel-good storyline of the year. And he's walking so, that line well. Like, he's doing the, that goofy yeah. stuff, but it's not too much. Like, I think he knows this is it's, money. I trust them in this one, I think, which is rare and, for me and, to say with Kenny. And I think the thing is with this, is this could be the... I've always bang on about having that great singles match that kind of defines things. This could be it. Paige can go. Kenny mm-hmm. can yeah. go. Yeah. They've got the story. They've got all of the components for this to be great. And as a pay-per-view main event, like in front of a rabid Chicago audience, like the potential for it is great. And I don't want to see it fucked up, but I'm a wrestling fan. And I've <laughs> seen this kind of stuff fuck up all of the time. So the cynicism levels are, are still there, even as they're hitting a roll with like some of the TV stuff. I'll always mm. have those niggling doubts. Sorry. Interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, again, interesting to see what they'll do uh, this week uh, with that feud as well. But again, hot angle. I thought another like strong angle on the show, maybe not as as effective, but the Cody and um, Tommy Black or whatever you want to call them segments uh, on this show. I mean, I, you know, the, the Tommy end backstage with smoke coming out of his ass, like I can do without. You know, going on about horses or whatever he was talking about was was kind of shite. But I, I liked, you know. I know some people didn't like it, but I like Cody coming out and like trying to talk through the announcers at first. You know, it felt, yeah. you know, a little bit like you know, okay, he is a producer backstage, and he has, you know, for whatever reason, he's he wants to come out there and make a statement. That it makes sense that a Cody would do that, and then it made sense that he goes to the ring and okay, yeah, Tommy and maybe teleported, which probably should be explained at some point why he's got these magic powers. But you know, uh, I thought that the segment itself worked. People, people are into this this Malachi Black stuff. You know, it's over. You know, they're, they're leaning into the you know, you know. Cody dressed in you know in all white versus uh Tommy undressed in all black type of thing you know there you go there he goes with the lore and the uh, and the color coded stuff again and there's a lot of things in here that I feel like I should hate but to be honest I'm just happy Cody's in a grown up program again like it's not Cody versus some trainee or Cody in a program that's going to last a week and, and not go anywhere this feels like a upper mid card at least level you know uh thing for Cody to do and yeah again another match that I feel pretty confident is going to take place at All Out and so far so good yeah and I think it's one as well where you just think about how like down we were on um, Tommy End when he you know obviously his week you know Tommy Bellend as the show was entitled <laughs> and, uh, the week uh, the week after he was released and the fucking harsh shit that he was talking on Twitch and things like that and just looking like I was thinking this guy's dead in the water before he goes anywhere because like the, it felt like the wrestling world was 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 laughing you know laughing at him yeah. you know and him, him just appearing to be a bit of a joke but actually they've 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 pulled it back, I think, in the way that he's been presented in what is it, two weeks or three weeks now? Now mm. that he's been on on the show, I think both segments have have came across really, really well, and and actually this has, you know, surprisingly turned into something that feels you know pretty hot for its first couple of instances and something that I'm you know I'm into. I'm I'm I'm, I'm liking it and I'm surprised and I'm surprised myself by how much I'm Damn. I'm I'm into this and, and and enjoying it. And you know, again again that's it makes you wonder how much he needs to be reined in and, you know, 
based on some of what he was saying on Twitch and things like that. Let's not even get his uh, fingerprints too much on um, what his uh, character is going to be, and um, you know, you know holding back it, holding back from that point of view. But again, these two, they seem like perfect foils for their characters at this point to to go into a, a big match like that, and Cody can help lift him. And like you say, Benno, it's a it's a solid more serious storyline for for Cody to get, in, get his teeth into now that um sort of he 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 knows where he's at and you know moving his his stuff forward as well really so yeah again another great piece of business on this show for me it's more interesting than like you t- touched on since so many of the Cody storylines which he'll do his best to kind of get it to work but um but yeah this is something i'm looking forward to didn't think i necessarily would be go on tommy black <laughs> just don't let him have any say in the creative process whatsoever. I no. think that's the very simple lesson to be learned there. Cody's <laughs> booking this one, and I'll take your ideas under advisement. That's, <laughs> as, that's all you need to do. Hey, this this was a floater when I was watching Slamiversary, by the way. Quick quick uh, sidebar, but you know the way Cody can't win the, uh, the AW World title? What if Cody goes for the Impact title and, uh, and beats Kenny for it. Maybe that's where we're headed, eh? You know, we're not talking about there being no challenges. Does that, does that strike you as a Cody Rhodes angle or what? Uh, well, I feel like it's covered. It's, it's funny because this match with with Tommy Black is one that is, and I'm not going to stop using that name. Um, <laughs> it's his name now. But it, it is his name. Uh, it's much easier than chucking Malachi in there. But this feels like in normal time, like without that stipulation, this would be like a number one contenders match. This would be the next person you'd be going to for the for the for a kind of heavyweight program. But you can't do Cody Omega yet because of mm. that that kind of clause in there. And in fairness, they've stuck to it uh, pretty early on. So yeah. like, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a great heel turn angle that when it is, it, oh. it, it, sit on this and just hold it, and they've held it back, and and, and it, it, it'll, it's it's going to be spot on that. It's going to wind people up, and you know, like when they eventually do pull the trigger, and when he is ready for that heel turn, but it's, uh, I hope they don't go down the impact route. I hope they just sit on that and sit on it and sit on it, and then use it for use it to turn turn Cody when the time's right. To use AEW MCU kind of stuff, like having Kenny kind of turn as a kind of Thanos supervillain. Well, now they've introduced, spoiler alert, Kang the Conqueror into the the kind of new, he's the new big bad. So you may not say this, Gav, but all the Marvel films you'll be watching, this bloke will be turning up in there. And he's great, actually, in Loki. And it feels like the Cody turn is the next kind of big one that you Mm -hmm. go to. I still think we're, I'm hoping we're about 18 months away from something like that. Because yeah. I yeah, think a we can still even. get Yeah, even a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But that's the real slow burn one, isn't it? Of mm-hmm. like yeah. taking taking over the company and stuff like that. Mm. Having having just finished watching the boys um, and seeing Cody's attire, I don't know if you've, you've watched, <laughs> watched the boys. I'm convinced that he's he's just going full <laughs> home wonder, and that's, yeah. that, that's I'm convinced that's where this character is 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 going because there's a lot of you know the the Cody babyface stuff that's getting you know shoved down people's faces that a lot of people don't like and dislike him for this babyface stuff and if that's the route they're going down like I'm, I'm fucking all in on that because it would just be a it would be such a great heel turn to to to, to go down that route and it's uh if is uh if, if it's not the plan he's fucking been watching it 100 <laughs> percent and 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 this is the sorry, just one final point. This is the difference between AEW and WWE is we can hypothetically book 
big programs that logically make sense for like two years yeah. and they would all feel fresh and they've got such a good younger roster. Like it, it's the thing that is the best thing for wrestling overall. It's the only real hope of wrestling getting that kind of cool factor back on a mainstream level. If we're going to be brutally honest, this is like mm. the big pitch for it. And they're doing as good a job as they can do in within the confines of what wrestling TV is like it, it's and it's just you wanting to see them do well and wwe can't do it and we've spoken about people who we love to see talk about a company that builds baby faces compared to one that can't mm. um i was gonna go through just very quickly before we uh yeah. give you some time to talk red pro jp just the uh, the other matches on the show well before we do i mean i was gonna didn't ask what star rating did you give the main event what did you give darby ethan i gave that four stars which was one of the highest rated matches i've given this week um uh, three and a half Okay. 3.75, split the difference. There we go. <laughs> that works. Uh, but yeah, I don't, you know, I'm obviously the high man on that, but I thought the show itself had, you know, strong matches throughout. You know, uh, just a, like we said at the top, a yeah. solid TV show that had, you know, a good beginning, middle, and end. Like, I was going to like highlight for me particularly Moxley and Carl Anderson. Don't get me wrong, I think they set the world on fire as a 3.25 style match, but I don't mm-hmm. know, you know. Moxley coming out, you know, with the great theme song, you know, looking like a million dollars. Well, actually, he didn't look like a million dollars. He looked like a bald and dad. But, you know, he came across like a star. <laughs> um, yeah, he does need... He feels like he's in that stage where he's growing his hair back and it's going to take a few weeks before he uh, he looks like the Moxley we, uh, we know and love. But he did come out across as a star. Him and Kingston couldn't make that big entrance again. And the match felt like, you know, speaking of him being a dad, it just felt like two grown-ups having a wrestle. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes, like, I love that AW is a very, you know, young-focused promotion and you get a lot of like young wrestlers of a certain style but this just felt like two grown-up pro wrestlers having a grown-up pro wrestler match i don't know if, it's just, if i'm on an island here of, of, i say loving this thing still gave it 3.25 stars but i really liked it as like a a great little like opener like a, it felt like a proper wrestling match on a, on a proper wrestling tv show that wouldn't be you know out of place on a nitro or like a you know any other you know top level mm-hmm. tv show over the years yeah, it was it was one of those where it didn't like overstay its welcome. It's it, it they made it feel important enough for for it being the title match that it was. It was a great opener to the the, the show. The you know what they did in the match was you know was entertaining to the level that it needed to be for a TV match of uh, of this nature, while still having something feeling a little bit special about it. And it was uh, it was nice to watch a New Japan title match that went less than an hour. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Less than 10 minutes, three stars. Carl Anderson having the best match I've probably seen him have since he's like... Since he met time Doc Gallows. I was going to say WWE and I was like... Since Doc Gallows said, hello, my name's Luke. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. That's really where it's all gone downhill. I'm going back to like 2012 very fucking quickly. As does um, he. <laughs> Often. But yeah, he was, he was having a good match. And it's kind of that thing where you think, oh, you know we spoke about that Indian summer for Carl Anderson and you know, it's the possibility it's mm. the other lad. That's the issue here. Mm. Like as much fun as he is to knock about with like, come on, Carl. <laughs> hey, he's made a lot of money with him though. So, you know, mm. can't argue. It's like when you're a kid at school and you're, you're doing all right and you're like getting good grades and things like that. And then you just start to knock about with that knobhead mate who just like totally just sends you, sends you off the rails. And uh, it's not until you like separate classes or something like that, that you get back on track. That's very much where uh, Carl Anderson feels like with Doc Gallows, but he's been, um, unfortunately he's been in the same class as that dickhead for a good decade now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he's uh, t- tarnished for that price. Uh, also, just very quick mention, Ricky Starks over Brian Cage. Oh, yeah. Like, um, I'd, I just loved the crowd here. They were absolutely fucking superb. I thought Cage was a bit clunky, which he can be. And I thought Starks like, was, what? to be honest. Like, I loved the, the crowd reaction to it. But I know he looked I was like shocked a, it was a match. He looked like a man coming off an injury. Is what he looked yeah. like. I'm not going to get mad at him for it, but I thought he was a bit. Mm, I don't, it wasn't a, a particularly strong match. I thought, but a great reaction, so it didn't really matter. That was. Uh, it was. Is more that that finish and the look of, especially that dungarees, but one of the straps are down on Hobbs. Why yeah. I don't know. How Taz has got a son who's basically a male, should be a Calvin Klein model. I don't quite know how that's happened, <laughs> how they're related, but I'll go along with this. <laughs> this true. absolutely fight. It's fucking mental when you think about it. You never thought when you looked at Taz and ECW going, I bet you any money he's going to have a son who's going to come along. He's just basically going to be a male model. Like, it's so uh, nice as well how proud of him he is. Like, Taz is so proud that he came from his loins. Like, it's like, it's yeah. like understandable. Good reason. Yeah. Like, you, you, he should be shouting from the rooftops on that. But mm-hmm. it was it was the way that they delivered that finish of, mm-hmm. like, the way that Hobbs kind of teased the stuff of the belt with Starks and then hit um, hit Cage he came across and the spear was great. And the crowd yeah. were just fucking buzzing for Ricky Starks. And it just made you feel like, oh, him as FTW champion could be really fucking fun. Like it just gives him something to do and something to kind of defend as the most minor of stakes to the match. But with that whole kind of crew there as well, Brian Cage, babyface, kind of toyed with it. His position is in mid, upper mid card. It's fine. But if his job is ultimately to get Ricky Starks and Hobbs and hook over, then I think it's it's great stuff. And I think them as a unit, I think with a Ricky Starks kind of doing a lot of talking as well, I think, you know, it could be really fun stuff. I will say, like, with Brian Cage, I think this will be the height of it, though. I think the tease and the story yeah. has been great. The actuality of him as a babyface, I don't think is going to work. But I have really enjoyed this story, and I almost want to see it because I want to see the payoff to this story. But I actually think when it comes to it, we'll look back and say this was the highlight of the run. I don't know. There's just something about him that doesn't work as a babyface for me. Yeah, I can't see that either. I can see him being in a tag team with someone in about four months' time or something like that, as they just uh, shunt out of the shunt out of the way of this one. But again, one of the main things that jumps out for me as well is this. I've been a big, uh, obviously been like a big show. It's you know Starks, it's Hobbs, it's Hook, it's new people, it's fresh people, and they get them involved in situations and angles and matches that are, that are fresh and you know fresh eyes on people, making them feel special making them feel better than you know better than they are in some instances or you know they've they've got a lot of their careers are ahead of them aren't they all of these guys kind of thing you know the future's very you know very much in the years to come and the fact that they're involved now look incredible looking good and you know it's again it's it's just this long-term thinking and sowing these seeds now for the future while also delivering a fucking great product, it's uh, it's all it's all it's, that promise inside. It's a mad one. Ricky Starks and Sammy Guevara in their their home, well, kind of home area. Both won. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like that, that's not hard to do, is it? Yeah. Like, put them over. Let them look like stars. You know when when the crowd's reacting to them as such. Don't fucking yeah. beat them. How about that? Crazy. Re- wrestling company not booking like a fucking spoiled child. Shocker. It's yeah. it's incredible, isn't it? Oh, these lads are over here at home. Why don't we put them over? Mm. Why not? No, we need to test them out. Like, which is just fucking bullying by another name, isn't it? In that mm. way, isn't it? 
Mm. Like someone did that at your work, you work really hard, and then they might <laughs> give you a fucking demotion be my work, just mate, to prove that you've got the metal. Gareth, you should try that at work. Let's see what happens to staff morale. <laughs> how they take that. Well, you've done a great job this month, but um, give them give a pay decrease on yeah. their birthday. Yeah, yeah on the birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you Vince does that with offer staff 100%. Um, I saw the other notable match on the show, and we haven't mentioned it because I don't think any of us care. Christian Cage and Matt Hardy. You know what wasn't as bad as I thought it. I feared it'd be. Same Solid yeah. TV Thank match. Glad it's over. Done. Bye. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Let's never talk about this again, yeah. eh? Yeah. It, yeah, it was one of those. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was a perfectly fine professional wrestling match where one of the men was in much better condition than the other. I yeah. think that's the, the one of the things you kind of take from that, and ho- and hopefully that's that's the end of that because if it happens in front, if it happened in front of this crowd and the way they were, this is probably as good as you were ever going to get with it. The, the only notable thing for this match for me was the dueling chance. The fact that half the crowd seemed to be behind Hardy and half of the crowd were behind Christian Cage. And I was a bit like, like, well, there you go. There's your value in Christian Cage again, that he's not even enough, <laughs> big enough star as a baby face in 2021 to get the whole crowd behind him when he's taking on fucking Matt Hardy. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, there, there, there you go. Not quite paying his, paying his way. Put him back in there with some of the kids and get him a... Get him yeah. developing those kids. Gotta say, still take him <laughs> over edge, hundred percent. Yeah, turn on Jungle Boy, do that feud. Like that's fine. Yeah. Uh, that's an okay role for. Christian. I look forward to that feud. I think yeah. I think that could be really good fun. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a, another week of a, a fight fest coming up. But again, you know, great another great week for AEW. Great period coming up. You know, let's hope they they build on this this momentum and uh, yeah, we the ratings continue as they are. We get that crossing point with uh, with mm. WWE as we talked about earlier. And yeah, ticket sales keep uh, keep going as they are, and they keep uh, embarrassing Vince in his uh, in his backyard. Um, the more of this, the better this year. Um, and yeah, we've definitely uh, definitely started obviously uh, as we mean to go on. But moving on from AEW and uh, yeah, the last thing we'll. We'll cover today you mentioned earlier jp you uh did yeah. the uh, the big trip out to uh to bristol um this weekend mm-hmm. and you got to see uh some rev pro and i say some rev pro because i know you didn't get to see all of <laughs> rev pro yes. or the uh, conclusion of the show yeah. unfortunately uh have you been told who won at least oh you did say somebody got in touch i have so you know that yes i have um it was the main event was ricky knight Ju- the match i didn't see was ricky knight jr versus doug williams where mm-hmm. and at the start of the show ricky knight jr basically come out and said well the south side title doesn't kind of exist mm-hmm. it's and it was a non-title match anyway um and he sort of declaring himself the rev pro champion so it's building up to sort of him and osprey i expect to see some sort of confrontation at that manchester show that feels like the kind of natural place uh for that one to happen um but yeah i didn't see that because this show shouldn't have really gone three and a half hours. What I will say, I mean, there's many more positives than negatives. It's like it was literally around the corner from the train station and I had a train booked for eight and the show was meant to be done by half seven. It was like mm. a 10 minute walk. And it was like the Shota Rumino match, Dan Maloney match ended at like quarter to eight. I went, right, I've got to go. Got to go straight away. And it's oh, just like fucking hell. That's good. Like didn't need to do it. And the thing was, actually, I will say though, is for the seven matches I saw, it was it was enjoyable. It was at that point that we say with British wrestling, where there's a lot of people kind of getting new starts in various places. It was good seeing other people in different environments. And the particular highlight for me was Young Guns versus um, oh, was it the Dream Team, Robbie <laughs> X and Dean Allmark, which was as you would expect it to be. Um, and Robbie X came in and did the hot tag. It was great. It was like kind of more of a, 
uh, Heelish, uh, Luke Jacobs and, and Ethan Allen kind of like beating down as well. Dino could do the, uh, do, do a lot of the selling and the rest of it, but it was like great fun. And um, like I really enjoyed that. Um, of the other stuff that was on the card, there was never, there was nothing that was like kind of bad. I mean, Shota Umino Dan Maloney was good. I thought, I mean, part of it was, it was very fucking humid, which doesn't necessarily always help, but at the same time, it's, it's funny because he comes out holding the Moxley jacket as well, but he's dressed very Tanahashi. That's the thing you kind of note with him is he looks very like the way that he set up on excursion. It's just like, oh my God, they're like Tanahashi trunks. And it was a good match. And you could, as I said on Twitter, you could great cheese on Dan Maloney's abs. Oh, like, he's in some shape, isn't he? At the minute, Dan Maloney. Fucking shape. Like, you really got to say it. Um, uh, Michael Oku defended over Lee Hunter in a in a sort of good cruiserweight championship match. Um, there was a match between Connor Mills and, and Chris Ridgway that, and both of those matches kind of suffered from a thing that you could lose possibly about f- certainly like sort of four or five minutes in both of them. And I think it would have made that little bit of a difference. I think they wanted to give people time to kind of showcase it. And it was like, actually, you've got eight matches on this card. So that's part of the problem. Um, opened it up well with Redmond and Sterling versus TK Cooper and Chuck Mambo. And I'll say this, Chuck Mambo and TK Cooper, they've been working on some stuff because they looked good here. Um, Redmond and Sterling are kind of doing the partners where Sterling's a heel and Redmond's a face. So it's kind of building up to that, which is perfectly fine and logical. And that's the other thing yeah. about Rev Pro is the thing that they've managed to hone over this pandemic period is just telling quite easy stories that are very simple to understand and are going to kind of work. And this great British tag league thing, it at least adds a few matches onto the cards where there's a degree of stakes. And even the Legion versus JJ Gale and Callum Newman was like a perfectly decent match. I don't know anything about Lucian Phillips. First time I'd seen him. First time I'd seen Screwface Ahmed um, wrestle. It might have been actually the first time I've seen Callum Newman wrestle in the flesh because I think he, I only saw him because of a pandemic show. And, you know, these are all good. It's just that they need the time there to develop. And that's the thing you want with Rev Pro. Um, the layout as well was great. Um, part It's not financially sustainable, I would say this. Um, but the idea that you could be sat there in a seat to myself, to myself, and if I wanted a drink, I could just scan the app on there and they bring the beer over to you so you don't leave the seat. So you don't have that horrific snaking queue that you get in York Hall. Obviously, it's not sustainable. The venue itself is like called the Marble Factory. It's one of these kind of like industrial warehouses turned into a club. It looked quite cool on the photos. It it really was. Like it it was like the lighting kind of turned down and it was quite dark in there. And there was sunlight coming in through the door, sort of like big open space out the front. The kind of venues that wrestling should be running. Now, the thing is in Bristol, and I imagine a lot of the fans would probably have been the ones going to attack. And there is no attack. And there isn't any pro wrestling chaos. And Bristol's a big city with, you know, with people who've got a whole variety of interests. And this place is near Temple Mead Station. I would just say, just don't do three and a half hours because nobody needed that. Like two and a half hours, perfectly fine. Don't think it needs to be beyond that. But like without that kind of griping aside, I had a really fun time. I liked the the venue. It was it was really nice. Um, yeah, and I'd had a kind of nice day around there. I was half cut and had a few sort of decent beers as well. So I was like, yeah, rock and roll. It was fun. Show one down. It was uh, 
it was very enjoyable. And also to say as well, uh, yeah, Gazelle Shaw looked very good against Mariah May. I just wanted to say that she looked like a kind of cut above. It was better than what I thought it, it would be. Mm. Like a lot of the matches, they're all sort of ranging in that between two and a half to probably the top match with that Young Guns versus Dream Team being at three and a half, if you're thinking mm. of it in those terms. But as a live experience to go to, it was good. Nothing shit the bed. Just keep to fucking time. Mm. Feel, feel good to be back though. It did. Yeah. I think the next thing though is like, it, it did feel good going to a show mm. and it felt good doing something. What was like, the attendance like? I'd say about 100. Mm. All said, spread out. Um, the place has gotten upstairs. So whether or not in normal times, you could probably get a good couple of hundred in there really. Mm. If you're doing with standing and no social distancing and the rest of it. Was it so, sold out with social distancing or, or could they have got more in? I think very close to, mm. if not. So I think it's probably capacity is probably around a hundred. Mm. And I think that's pretty much what they got. Mm. Um, I know in Bristol before it's done about 180 or so. It's not done much more than that, but this is a kind of new territory per se, like in, and there's no one else running there. So I would just say stick at it. Um, there's a nice pub that's about a 10-minute walk away called the Barley Mail as well. The Barley Mo. Mm. You say. It's West Country, isn't it? It's all weird. <laughs> it's all like Cheers Dreef and stuff like that around there. So, mm. Easy trip for you, yeah. though? Easy trip for me. Well, mm. apart from the way back and the cancelled fucking trains. I'm in a sweat <laughs> box of a train. This <laughs> isn't going to be great. But overall, enjoyable. And it was just good to get to a show. What do you think Red Pro looks like going forward? Like, you know, they've got that big Manchester show coming up in uh, mm. in August. You know, I think they're, they're very much going to lean on the fact that they've got, you know, shows the rumours, not exactly the most, you know, glorious uh, import you could have. You know, obviously in, in another world, they'd be filling that show with New Japan type lads of a higher calibre than him. Um, but, you know, they've got him, they're going to have Aussie Open coming back for this, this Manchester August mm-hmm. show. Like, is there enough there, you would say, like, on in the current roster to to keep an interest as opposed to like you know Gareth's going to catch this weekend with a lot of similar wrestlers on Gareth went to mm-hmm. TNT long ago with very similar wrestlers on the progress shows look very similar like did this feel like Rev Pro did this feel like a product worth like following yeah it did I would say that there was something just about the overall presentation of it because there isn't a lot of fluff and filler in between hmm like there would be a progress where there'd be like a kind of talking segment. I mean, the only person who was doing any kind of segment was Steph Chase by the side mm. who would appear, do the Red piece Steph. to camera. And there were a few technical is- in, um, issues they had <laughs> with some sound stuff. And they have a uh, ring announcer who I didn't know who she was, but I thought she, she did a really good job. She had a sort of good voice for it. Um, but they, so it just goes from kind of like match to match to match, which if you're a Rev Pro fan, you're kind of used to seeing that. Mm. Um I think it's more that the the depth of the tag teams is the thing that's kind of, I think, a more interesting point. And the fact that Ricky Knight Jr. is a very fresh face for all of us. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't get the pleasure of getting to see him work live because <laughs> I was on a fucking train at that point in time, which is a shame, mm-hmm. him versus Mark Fowler. Um, but, like, <laughs> instead, you know, I, going forward, I think they've got more interesting elements to them, like, particularly with, like, kind of, Oku there if they can hold on to Gazelle Shaw because you just don't know mm. but that's the whole problem with Rev Pro is, is is taking people away but I think the way that they book and the way that their titles have a bit more meaning to them as well I think they're the kind of things that are more in their favour than to say a progress mm. 
I was going to say, uh, Gareth, can't wait to go get to see Red Pro, but you probably are going to see a lot of those wrestlers that catch on <laughs> on, uh, on Saturday. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, like you say, I've been to that TNT show, I'm going to the catch show, then there's another TNT show, and then in between that and the Red Pro. So, yeah, there's going to be a, a few familiar faces uh, dropping about. But, um, no, just good that we're back in this uh, realms that there's actually you know live shows to get excited about going to and seeing different venues and you know seeing you know while we haven't got the uh, talk of the world wrestlers uh filling out the uh filling out the cards you know seeing you know just some of the uh some of the new guys coming through and get to see them in different settings and you know working heel in some places working face in others and just seeing how they get on and things like that it's all all good stuff isn't it yeah and i think i think Red probably best place to be that promote like you know I'm sure we all heard, you know, them talking about it on Voices of Wrestling last last week. This last week, and Overlander's very high on like the the booking of Rev Pro and you know how the stories were laid out during the the pandemic era. Like, yeah, Rev Pro probably is the place for the, the, the people maybe further afield than us are going to see these wrestlers and they're going to see them in maybe more meaty storylines and in a, hopefully a better presentation. You know, like say that Victoria Warehouse show is going to be feels like everyone we know is going to that one. <laughs> um, you know, in uh, in Manchester next month, and you know, hopefully. You know, Red Pro, you know, can put something together, and you know, I think a healthy British scene needs a healthy Rev Pro. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. while there's a, a lot of challenges there, as you mentioned there, JP, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about this Bristol show and about that that last cockpit show. That makes me think that yeah, maybe they can yeah. still carve out a bit of a niche in the scene. They are, and it's it's pretty much back to basics, bread and butter, sensible booking. Mm. And I think that's just kind of what the scene needs. I think it's what these this crop of young wrestlers need because it gives them a sense of consistency. Like, I think just having, like, with all the various tag teams working together, there's enough sort of youth and experience there that I think they've got a kind of really good blend. And I think they're going to carry the kind of weight of a lot of these shows that they're doing in the build-up to them. They're going to at least be four matches on each of each of these kind of small house shows they do when they're running each of the weekends. So like, I think that is overall good and it's a place for people to work. Mm. Like it's desperately needed. And it's one of the few promotions that are going around the country. Like who else is doing that with any kind of sense of steam? Mm. Definitely, definitely, and they got lots of lots of dates coming up as well. So yeah, looking forward yeah. to like I said, looking forward to that matches. So and looking forward to to what Red Pro do this year. But yeah, that kind of uh, brings us to the, the end of the show. Pack show, rather a lot to uh, to talk about today. You know, talk to like you say the big three promotions, JP and a bit of bit of Red Pro thrown in the end. Uh, dare I ask before we go, any plugs, anything we need to reference? Patreon.com forward slash grapple. That'll do. Download the grappler. Yeah. Download the grappler. <laughs> there you go we're all dying of sweat and fucking heat from the night just that, we're, just... Oh, we're not built for this uh, this, this good weather man. yeah <laughs> I won't Fair complain too much it'll be raining again next week so you know uh, <laughs> it's worth it for that bloody wedding that's the problem with it <laughs> that's it um, but yeah obviously on the Patreon side there will be um, our uh, wrestling channel uh, look back come up as well as uh, I believe that the next one after that'll be a, a flashback we, uh, we haven't done a, a film club yet this month either as well so there'll be, mm. I'm sure there'll be one of those uh, coming soon as well so yeah check the Patreon for all that um, likely no weekend show this week there's nothing to preview um, on Friday but you know keep an eye on the feed there will be a bonus uh, Patreon shows uh, coming JP's daily updates all of that good stuff but yeah might have a special guest next week for Spotlight as well JP do we want to yes are we going to say or are we going to wait 
Uh, should we say? Let's say. Go on. WH Park mm. next Monday to talk about. He said there's no shows on. There's only a, a show going on at the Tokyo Dome that they can't sell any more tickets to. But it'll look like it's happening in front of absolute fucking darkness. So <laughs> what does that matter? But yeah, WH Park is going to be on next Monday. And actually, yes, and I am. I'm also in a in a kind of impact style kind of transfer negotiation. I'm going to be on an episode of the Long and uh, Winding Royal Road. Oh, so, good. Uh, forward to that. Look forward to hearing that. Always good to, to see our friend of H Park. So yeah, everyone's got a that to look forward to. But other than that, that's it for us for another night. We'll see you again soon, everyone. Bye. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.